This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. August 10th, 2018, and for a podcast that talks a lot about how things are good and do year-end lists and which we gush about our favorite matches and all that good stuff, we never talk about what annoys us, what we hate, at least I, at least I don't. Well, you don't, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't talk about, I don't talk enough about what I hate, uh, Brock maybe does that too much, but with all that being said, welcome to a very angry and angsty edition of psychology is dead i'm your host quentin moody and with me as usual is the everlasting angry and angsty brock brock how are Ever- you everlasting that's apparently how i am all right so how are you brock it's uh i'm fine i woke up kind of sore it's been hot so like i don't know like i'm a little more angsty than usual and we're going to be talking about some stuff that you and i both dislike or are frustrated with on some level so i don't know this this could be a bad night (laughs) yeah i just woke up maybe like 40 minutes ago Hmm. and it was a good nap but i realized that i had to get ready to talk about things that annoy me and immediately my mood just went down (laughs) it's like monday morning but with all that being said um well the reason why we're saying this is that on this episode of Psychology is Dead, we're going to be tackling things in wrestling fandom, uh, in wrestling social media, whatever you want to call it, that annoy us, that we feel like really haven't been talked about or critiqued. There's a lot of things in wrestling that get talked about. All In and The Young Bucks get get, get talked about all the fucking time. Sure. Roman Reigns gets talked about all the fucking time. Um, as of the last few weeks or month or whatever, Kenny Omega gets talked about all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And these are like, we have topics that we'll keep going back to and going back to and going back to. But there's a lot of things going on in wrestling that people just don't touch on at all. Mm. A lot of things that are, I almost guess, consensusly are viewed as good. And that nobody criticizes because it's in a little bubble. Mm. Things that he will just accept are good and underrated without really criticizing them. So a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about here are subjects that we find lack criticism from a lot of the people that we see on our, on our side of the wrestling fandom. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have anything to add on that, Brock? Um. Well... So what what this started with was a particular like a particular fandom surrounding one individual in particular who you and I both enjoy actually for the most part uh but has like gotten 
a huge groundswell as of late due to particular antics that you and I aren't so thrilled about, and we have especially not enjoyed uh, the fandom that has grown from it. Um, and so, like, initially when we came into this, what we wanted to do was talk about, like, particular wrestlers who we liked, but we thought, like, man, their fans suck. But I think in the course of, like, planning for this podcast, we've sort of expanded that to um, a couple larger topics that, that aren't just going to be re- uh, related to individual people or, like, individual promotions, even. Yeah. A lot of this is going to be sort of, like, judging all of you. Especially, yes. like, especially when it comes to, like, the bigger topics here. Some of these have, uh, are yeah. more recent. And yeah. I, we have even more reasons to judge you now. Yeah, totally. So if you're in like, I, I think we should, I think we should make mention of the fact that like, we're not trying to be high and mighty here. I, I don't think we're trying to be like holier than thou. Um, we're, we're not trying to stir shit. We're not trying to like throw stones or throw shade or anything. We're just like, we're frustrated by a lot of these things. We talk about these things privately uh, with each other or with our larger Slack chat that you hear about all the time. Um, and we don't see these sort of things talked about in, the larger space of wrestling Twitter or wrestling fandom online. And so we'd sort of like to address that in a public way and maybe, maybe start some additional discourse, I guess. Um, and just get the ball rolling on, on some things that we like to address. Yeah. And like, that's always like part of the goal with psychology is dead, whether yeah. it is like having like obscure matches in our top 100s, or it's like going in like excruciating details on topics, like trying to like, get something more out of it than we usually get out of discussions that go this way. Mm-hmm. So while I'm joking about like hoping people feel like personally attacked or offended by like the stuff we say on here, it's not to make anyone feel like they're getting singled out or that we're like attacking mm-hmm. their fandom. It's maybe we should like start looking at things this way. Maybe we should start like valuing the fact that maybe these maybe these things aren't perfect and we can like them, but we can admit that this thing isn't like, you know, the greatest. And if someone doesn't like it, then mm-hmm. there's some fucking mainstream watching, whatever, like whatever, whatever the fuck fanboy that can't appreciate um, a good subculture or niche. Sure. Or, like we don't, we, we don't need that. We can still appreciate these things without going in that direction. With all that being said, we have a lot of people and <laughs> various things listed. Uh-huh. I think you had a request on where this or on where we go first for this. Yeah, and it was it was something that we've talked about for a while. Um, that wasn't even really in the context of this podcast. It was just like a comment that you, a spicy comment that you made several months ago in our Slack chat that maybe ruffled some feathers, but like had more truth to it than I think some people would like to admit. And that would be regarding one Mark Henry, and. In the, in, the, in the grand scheme of, like, the things that we have listed uh-huh. for this show, Mark the Mark Henry fandom isn't as big as some of these other things we're going to tackle. Totally, yeah. He's got to be the smallest of all these people. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, people that really love Mark Henry really love them some Mark Henry. Now, um, we should probably get some context of, the, like, what sort of people. Because, like, your average Joe Schmo fan who's watching Monday Night Raw uh probably isn't like the biggest fan of sexual chocolate so like who in particular and i don't mean like specific names but like what section of the internet is all about mark henry well 
It's funny you ask because we're on this network right now, and it happened oh, to be the <laughs> PWO DVDVR people from all those years back and currently mm. that are super into Mark Henry. And this is something for, that, like, for good reason. For good, like I, I think, man, like that's the thing about these this podcast is because like we're not talking about bad wrestlers, really. No, we're like, not. <laughs> we're, we're talking about wrestlers that, for the most part, we do enjoy, and so like. People aren't stupid for liking Mark Henry. <laughs> no, no. I don't think anyone's stupid for liking Mark Henry. Yeah. But I will get to why I think liking Mark Henry, as much as some people do, does get a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so it struck me when, like, the whole GWE process was going on in 2015, 2016, and I'm, like, reading cases for wrestlers and the best big men ever and things like that. Listening to all the um, top, listening to all the top one hundred podcasts or whatever, uh-huh. and I think Stephen Graham might have been the only one to have Mark Henry on his list. I'm not sure if anyone else on this feed had Mark Henry on their list, but a lot of people online and in those threads were talking about how great Mark Henry is. And the thing about Mark Henry is that he very clearly has like. I'll say two great runs. Mm -hmm. He had the 2011 that we always talk about. And I think he has a really fun 2006. And like specifically, these are runs in which like he is cast in a main event role for a period of time. Yeah. It's also worth noting that like most of these runs, if you like really look at them only last for a good three, four months. Sure. Like the whole 2011 hall of pain stuff. Like you could say it starts with Seamus in 2011 at SummerSlam. And then by the time we're getting to December, it's over. So it's like that even, even that Mark Henry run, even that Mark Henry run isn't as long as some people might think it is. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bring up the length of these runs is because Mark Henry has been wrestling since what? 96. 1996. This man, has he wrestled this year? Is he retired? Like what, what are we saying? I guarantee you he's wrestled this year, but I haven't seen him, so I don't know. Let's just say Mark Henry has been wrestling for 22 years at this point. Sure. In 22 years of wrestling, the fact that this guy only has two notable runs that at most stretch up to four months is a pretty horrible batting average mm. for any kind of wrestler. And it's not to say that it's his fault, because it isn't. Mark Henry is very clearly an underutilized talent. Mark Henry very clearly had more to give to the company in the years that we had him. Mm-hmm. Very clearly undervalued, very clearly never understood what to do with him, suffered from all the like the same big man problems that he suffered suffered from like suffered from legitimate racism. Like we have like mm-hmm. documented history of like him at least in backstage like talkings, like suffering from being a black man in the WWE. Mm-hmm. And suffering from like the same like big man problems of once they find out that you're funny, it was like oh ho 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 the big guy is funny and damn like sure. it's like all that dumb shit. So it's like Mark Henry suffered through a lot of stuff that maybe limited the kind of star that he could be. You know, fucking like legitimate like Olympic level like athlete lifter mm-hmm. kind of guy, but underutilized. Now, why? While I understand that Mark Henry was underutilized. I think when you just look at the evidence that we have, 
he sort of gets more praise than anyone with his batting average should probably get in wrestling. Yeah. And people, you know, like, people like smaller mid-card level stuff. Like, I'm certainly one of those sorts of people. But, like, it's it's sort of bizarre when you take the whole picture to see people, like, legitimately consider, like, this might be one of the best 100 wrestlers of all time. Yeah. And it's not to say that he doesn't have the talent for it. But when you look at, when you're talking about, like, who are the best wrestlers ever, you should be going based off of, like, the evidence that you have. Uh-huh. And, like, who knows? Maybe watching Mark Henry, you're like, oh, my God, it's so real and so visceral. I believe him so much. There's one of the 100 greatest wrestlers I've ever seen. Who knows? But I'm someone that when you look, when you're, like, doing things like that, we're talking about, like, the greatest ever, you should be, like, taking account, like, everything that you have to look into. It's why, like, someone, like, Brock Lesnar, while I love his work, didn't rank, like, super high for me. It's why yeah. someone like Dr. Dusty, Dr. Dusty Steve Williams is like, why you, like, I love him and he's, like, on my list, wasn't, like, super high for me. So, like, I think those kind of guys, like, should always have, like, a little bit of an asterisk to their name for how short their runs are. But at the same time, Mark Henry has even less than those guys on an even lower level. It's not to say that you can't be great and not be a main eventer or that you can't be great like without getting like the biggest pushes in the world. Mm-hmm. But even with Mark Henry's like lower card stuff, his stuff when he just te- when he just around with Teddy Long and floundering on SmackDown and not really knowing what to do, it's like that's still part of his career. Mm-hmm. And that part of his career, he's doing a whole lot of nothing. So I often ask myself, like, why does Mark Henry have like this big cult following? Not even big. It's like, why do people? Why do some people think so highly of Mark Henry? Higher than I've ever seen anyone think highly of him. Higher than Shawn Michaels in a notable case. <laughs> <laughs> a classic DVD VR thread. Yep. But something that I guess as a black man, start like that started to like turn wheels in my head is that I feel like a lot of white people, which is a lot of this wrestling bubble that we're in. Mm. Look at Mark Henry, see that he was underutilized, and then like jump on that, and he becomes their favorite wrestler. And in and in, and in a way, like they're patting themselves on the back for like being a fan of like an underutilized black guy. Mm-hmm. And that's not even like necessarily a bad thing, but it's like when you're looking at it, no one else gets that kind of treatment. No one else is getting this. You're only great. For like eight months out of your twenty out of your out of your twenty two year career, but we're still gonna big you up as one of like the best wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Like we put that in perspective, and I'm not saying that he wasn't good for like the early two thousands or even some of his nineties work. I thought he was a bad wrestler. We're talking about him being like a great overall act in the company. Eight months of that in total for twenty two years. That's pretty fucking insane. And I think a lot of that took me as like white people patting themselves on the back because I can't think of anyone else in wrestling who gets that kind of treatment. I can't think maybe, of I mean, like, like maybe some luchadores. Like for, for people who, who like don't largely don't watch Lucha Libre but will like Pentagon and Phoenix maybe? I don't know. Like this was when you brought this up, like it took a lot of us aback, but like we thought more and more about it and it was like, man, like sometimes sometimes I think about people who 
like go to bat for Mark Henry and it's like, yeah, like this is kind of sketchy. Yeah. And I'm like, because I just don't, we just don't have the evidence. Yeah. And it's nothing, it's nothing against Mark Henry or the people that like Mark Henry, but when you're talking about like greatness, you should have evidence for it. Yeah. And there's no accounting for taste, but like, it's just, this is a weird case. Yeah. And I don't know, like, Again, I'm not even saying it's bad to, like, pick Mark Henry out of all these guys to be like, yeah, this is our guy. We're going to talk about, like, how great he was, even though he was underutilized and didn't do much for his 22-year career. Like, mm. But at the same time, like, you got to call a spade a spade. And it's cl- very clear that Mark Henry is getting some kind of, like, special treatment here. And I think a lot of the discourse about Mark Henry is maybe we should just be more honest about what his career really was. And not just be fanned by the not just be like blinded by the fact that we're so enamored with these few months of his long career that we thought were good. Maybe look at it more in totality mm-hmm. and like be a, little, be a little bit more honest about like what his career really was. I don't I don't really have I don't think it's my place necessarily to weigh on that. Uh, it was a spicy take when we first started a couple months ago, <laughs> uh, but I, like I I do think there is at least a little bit of truth in that. And that, like, there is uh, uh, a certain section of wrestling fans who are, like, well-meaning and who probably don't harbor, like, any um, conscious racism, but, like, who, through the existence of, like, modern living, like, might have picked up a bad habit or two and, and might have a weird perspective regarding, like, this one guy who is charming and who has had a weird career. Mm. So to move off of Mark Henry... Uh, do you have one that you want to move into right now? Yeah, so, um, mine wasn't necessarily, like, a wrestler, um, themselves, uh, and, though this does stem from a specific wrestler's tweets, uh, but it was really just more of a mindset thing in general. Um, you remember, was, like, the beginning of the year, uh, back in January when Nick Gage was getting set to debut in Evolve? Yeah. Um, he, uh, was going to have, he was booked for a style battle match against Walter, I believe. Um, and Nick Gage is, uh, prolific on Twitter. Um, or at least someone uh, on his account is, uh, and sometimes his tweets, uh, rile people up. And I had one particular here that I wanted to read off that like made the rounds on Twitter for a while. Um, it goes, I broke this dude's leg tonight for real in a match. Then I sliced his ankle open with a pizza cutter while he was down and screaming for help because I wasn't satisfied yet. That's the kind of guy I am. Get ready, Walter. You're next, bud. MDK. And so a lot of people um, were quote-tweeting this around last January and saying, like, this is this is weird. Do people like this? This is, like, this is not what I look for in wrestling. This is just, like, scary shit. And while initially... Um, well, initially, I sort of, like, balked at that and was like, guys, it's just, like, one tweet, like, whatever. It's just one wrestler that you probably don't even watch anyway. Like, it's just, get over it. Um, while I had that initial reaction, like, I sort of softened a bit and realized, like, I come from a, a place of, like, tremendous privilege when I say that. Like, I'm a I'm a white cisgender dude in America, and I'm a big one at that. Like, I'm six feet tall, 300 pounds. Like, people don't fuck with me on the street. Like, I'm a, I'm a large guy. So, like, I'm not... I'm not a person who has to spend a whole lot of his life afraid. And so like when people say like, Oh, this is a, this is sort of an unsettling tweet and unsettling character or like, this makes me uncomfortable or like this just like skeeves me out in a weird way. 
like i try to be sympathetic to that especially since like a lot of the people who were tweeting that were women were people that i knew were were marginalized people of some degree um at the same time as that though like i sort of hate that that section of twitter like only really cares about like really friendly wrestling like really um non-combative wrestling wrestling full of soft boys and pretty hair and holding hands and it's like that stuff that i like i like myself like i'm a big best friends guy i'm a big chikara guy that's that stuff that does appeal to me from time to time but like i got thinking about how i hate wrestling fans who only want shit one way like i hate as much as i hate like soft boy wrestling fans i hate wrestling fans who are all about nothing but blood and nothing about like throwing up gang signs and nothing about like booking uh nazi sympathizers and sexual predators on their show like i hate i hate people who only want it one way because that shit is boring to me like it's so it's so it's so frustrating to be like we have a world full of awesome shit of like awesome diverse shit and wrestling itself is like incredibly awesome and incredibly diverse it has like all these different cultures that come together from all around the world that bring these different approaches and different ideas and different moods and to to like pack yourself into like one tiny little sliver one corner of that world and say like i don't like when anything deviates from this is like horrible and like i hate that sort of a wrestling fan i hate that sort of wrestling fan who i can't have like a meaningful conversation with like i couldn't i couldn't do a podcast with them and that's fine like not everyone is not everyone is like a podcast wrestling fan not everyone has to be like sort of a a stuffy 30 40 year old white dude who does uh uh quiz show wrestling podcast on this very network but like i i wish i wish more wrestling fans were the sort of people who i could have a meaningful conversation with about multiple different things that I could like ask them about why they like something or why they don't like something or why they should try this certain other thing out or like what their opinion is on like this specific event or like this person's booking or like, like I hate, I hate people who just box themselves in to one thing because like that's only, that's only making it worse for them and the rest of us. I think. I think I'm bothering more when like, those people who sort of like have boxed themselves in into being all about one thing, then try to comment on other stuff going sure. on in wrestling. And it's like, obviously you're like, you're allowed to like talk about whatever you want, but like, you don't know what you're talking about really. Cause you not, you're not really like in the culture. You're not really like watching it. You're not really like looking at what these people are doing on a show, in, by show basis on their yeah. Twitters. The in many cases. Like, yeah. Like, and like you see, you see stuff on Twitter. Like you can, like I can, um, what's a good example like noah like i don't really watch noah but like i can keep up with the noah discourse just because i know a lot of people who watch noah but like i don't know enough about noah to to comment on it and so i don't do that yeah the thing is like a lot of it is i think sometimes i'm so i think i'm someone that kind of like sort of keeps up with everything i'm not watching everything at the same time i'm not commenting on everything if i see like a great match from fucking zero one then i'll talk about a great match from zero one I'll talk about like whatever I feel like talking about that day, but I don't fully consider myself an expert on anything, an expert like on any one subject, and that's fine. So you can be a jack of all trades and like sort of stay in your lane there. Then there's some people who are like strictly like lucha, and I'll talk to those people. I'll talk to those people like about lucha, but if I saw them saying something about anything else, I might be questioning like, hey, like how much? Like, how much do you like really know about this? Mm-hmm. Especially because like so much of that. Um, and it's, 
it's it's funny that I bring this up when we turn to Lucha. Uh, and it's the problem with like so much of that is like often those comments are are pretty like antagonistic. Yeah. Are pretty like are pretty snarky. Mm. And I think that's part of it too. Is like because like you think you're in like this cool fandom where like like nobody's really watching it and you sure. have like your little like your little circle that you can just like throw in like snide comments about stuff that you don't watch or whatever and it's like i'm not saying like you just like just shut up and like watch what you like that's a stay in your lane yeah, yeah. like i'm not saying that but it's like <laughs> you got to be antagonistic about it and i get this fucking trolling shit posting whatever but it's like that's boring because like I don't know what kind of like actual conversation I can have with you people. Because mm-hmm. I don't because I don't know like how much they're like actually getting into like giving I don't know fucking random U.S. indie wrestling a chance. Yeah. So I don't like I, so like I don't know like how far like the conversations go with those people and like I don't talk to a lot of people anyway. I don't like a lot of people. Like frankly, a lot of like <laughs> like my timeline yesterday showed me a lot of people that like I thought I was like I thought like I was I thought was smart. Like I said, a lot of shit that I thought that was kind of dumb. Mm. Um, and we'll get to that later. But yeah, it's. I don't. I don't think it's because. I also think it's because like, thus like the chat that we're in, and like the people that we're interacting with and talking to on a regular basis, like, we do kind of like watch everything, and know about so much stuff. And we generally we, uh, to the point that it has become a running joke. Like we generally have the same sorts of opinions like we're we're of a like mind for the most part yeah so what so when you like go out of the chat and like go on twitter and see people that are like big lucha fans or like big new japan fanboys or in love or with japanese just w, or just wwe only people wwe only um european wrestling fans like like you'll like you'll get a lot of different stuff that when you're like not in like our particular chat, it's like, oh, okay, like this is like sort of like a shock to see people still act this way or say th- say certain things or dismiss things the way they do. And I think that can be frustrating when you know that like wrestling fans can coexist in a better way than that. I I think it is interesting that we we talk about like our um we talk about our Slack chat and the way that people uh talk about things when they're in more of a private environment um slack is still like we still have technically like 50 people have like access to that shit and so it's not exactly like a private group chat um but for the most part like only about a dozen of us use it regularly and it becomes sort of insular and in like we have a familiarity with each other and we talk pretty frankly but we're we're friendly for the most part um and i think like most of the people that we have in mind when we're talking about like these antagonistic tweets and these snarky tweets like they're pretty they're pretty okay people especially if you get them like in a dm or in a group chat and it's just like when when we talk like the nature of public discourse and especially the nature of public discourse on a very technologically limited platform such as twitter is like inherently flawed and and i think we can make like we can make inroads to make that better for our community but like it's just i don't know it's a really it's a really hard thing to deal with because well, like, like because we have a void that we're shouting into yeah and it's like people always say that like twitter isn't for discourse and like whatever like you can just like view twitter that way but at the same time like twitter doesn't need to be like for posturing 
and like anti anti antagonizing people. Yeah, you can like make your jokes, but like, does it need to be like for posturing and putting yourself on a higher pedestal than everybody else? And and again, part of the problem is like some people just take those jokes too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, like, and it gets blowback from that blowback, and then it's a whole thing. Like it's yeah, it's just a, it's a cycle. You were yeah, saying though, yeah, a lot of it is like jokes, but at the same time, like if you don't know these people and you're like sort of reading like reading a tweet, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, wait. I watch this. I do this. Well, what the fuck? What's wrong with that? <laughs> totally. Like you're gonna be like taken aback by like the fact that you're gonna get called some sort of like weird insult because you watch mm. this thing. Someone will like get like catch something from another like section of the of the bubble, yeah. quote tweeted or whatever, and then shit will like start like flying from there. Yeah. Like that. Like that's how the shit always goes. Speaking of that. Uh, I think the next logical step into that would be to talk about L.A. Park. Oh, boy. So. Guy who started this all. L.A. Park is a person we were talking about that a lot of the way people talk about him on Twitter is where the idea from this pos- from this, um, for this podcast came from. Yeah. And keep in mind, we're huge Lucha fans. Mm-hmm. Huge L.A. Park fans. I mean, shit, like. Yeah, the last two years, you and I have, like, spoken very highly of his matches with Roosh on our year-end podcast. Yeah, um, I started off doing a Lucha podcast called Supresa S. Lucha, mm-hmm. like, for a whole year. So, this isn't coming from a place of someone that isn't knowledgeable in Lucha, or people that aren't knowledgeable in Lucha, or people that don't love Lucha or don't understand totally. Lucha. This is coming from people who love Lucha and are still frustrated by a lot of, like, what we've seen with the L.A. Park discourse. In the last in the last month, in the last two months or so, and I get it. A lot of it was jokes, memes, all of it. Well, a lot of it, good intention too. You know, saying that if if LA Park can main event the Anniversario and Triple Mania in the same year, that he should be in the, in the Flair Thes, which is like a really fair take. Yeah, like, that's a valid take. I like I'd, I'd vote for him Flair Thes. So like, it's not anything against that stuff. For me, and I think for a lot of other people, like the appeal of L.A. Park is that a lot, he felt sort of badass and dangerous, grimy and volatile, and that like things could erupt anytime L.A. Park is there. And I think like for for a lot of people, that's still like why they like him. Okay, but for me, watching him coming to CMLL for the month or so that he was there, mm, yeah really showed me that maybe that kind of stuff should be like limited oh yeah yeah totally like it's just like it was it was a case in which like we saw it every friday um and sometimes like tuesdays on top of that like it was like it was it was definitely a case of overexposure uh being one factor of this situation yeah so like as someone has seen la park do this for years and years and years and years Uh and a lot of it happening in special circumstances he's doing it in triple mania against el macias he's doing it against dr wagner he's doing it against Rouge in arena mexico where they like broke all the rules and all this shit like this is like it's like every time la park did this it was special and i'll I'll even admit like the first like time or a couple of times we get it it still feels that way they're good matches but a lot of my thoughts on wrestling is like Something can get overexposed really quickly mm-hmm. when you think it feels special. And having him in trios matches, in a singles match against Rush, 
like in such quick succession with like mm. no and like that's how CMLL books. I get it, but having all these brawls and garbage being thrown and a quote unquote bucket full of cum or whatever mm. get thrown at someone like you've seen it a bunch of times already. And granted, it's like a huge presentation shift for CMLL. But if you watch, if you, but if you watch Lucha, this isn't new to you. You've yeah. seen LA Park do this for years. So what I'm gonna, so what I'm seeing it just happen week after week after week after week. It's like, uh, okay, like he's been doing this for a while now, though. Like, am I still gonna act like this is just some incredible new special feeling thing? Like, no, it's not. And that's the that's the thing is like while you and i were like oh this is cool it's just like it's weird to have this again when we just had it last week like so many of the other regular lucha libre fans on on our bubbles of wrestling twitter were going gaga over it and have remained gaga for it since yeah like we've been getting rush versus la park in some capacity for two years yeah so i'm like well it's great all the time it's entertaining every single time it's also like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call this feud of the year now because it's in CMLL. Sure. I mean, no. Like I've seen these guys have do this for two years, and it's no, it's nothing wrong with that. Like you know, we have stuff in New Japan that's going on for like fucking six years or mm. whatever. Um, the Kenny Omega Okada stuff. I mean, like four having four matches in a year and a half. Like yeah, like that stuff happens. But I think when something is quote unquote supposed to feel special or against the system when you start doing it week in and week out in the biggest lucha company in the world on their biggest shows of the week every single week is it's not against the system anymore mm-hmm. it's part of the system so is now it's not this like big la park and rush or counterculture to like what we've been getting in arena mexico all the time it's like all right now, now this is normal now this is standard so why should I care anymore? That's a good point. Like the whole counterculture thing, the whole underground thing. Like at least part of this enjoyment is is from people who are like, hey, I like this thing that not a whole lot of wrestling fans enjoy, especially in whatever country I happen to live in. Um, th- like this is, this is stuff that doesn't really match up with a whole lot of what the most popular wrestling is doing around the world today. And so like there's a whole lot of like, I don't even want to say fetishization, but like there's like a whole lot of like people who will, I think, take anything simply because it's not what's popular. And it just happens that like this is good stuff that a whole lot of people enjoy and that I myself enjoy a whole lot. But it's just it's bizarre to see how it's it's like fawned over and memed over in such a such a weird unfunny way matter of fact let's talk let's talk about the memeing like the problem with the memeing is that when you talk about how dangerous la park is and then you're fucking making memes about all this shit like yeah part of part of la park is that he's dangerous that he's volatile that he has like a nasty attitude he always has been a goofy guy but you're you're right it's all it's all here's the thing it's a fucking big fat dancing skeleton like it's it's, it's goofy he plays a guitar yeah he plays an air guitar in a fucking chair like it's goofy as shit but the reason why it worked is because like yeah he looks goofy in his dumbass outfit but Mm. at the end of the day he can go in there and kick your ass and burn Mm. your shirt and tell your mother to go fuck yourself and like like all that shit like so when you're sitting here you're like making jokes about it 
the serious nature of L.A. Park, the serious nature of like what L.A. Park brings to wrestling, then starts to fade away because now into my head, I'm thinking about like L.A. Park is funny, L.A. Yeah. Park is comedy. I'm not. I don't want to laugh when I watch L.A. Park matches. Really, I like that's where you and I differ. But like, it, this is like such a weirdly over to the top memification of a specific wrestler that like I'm definitely on your side in that. Like, this is just like not funny. And, yeah. and, and largely it's just because like wrestling wrestling fans aren't funny people yeah <laughs> yeah like a lot of like wrestling fans like aren't funny and it's like and like yeah, it's like simple memes you know photoshopping yeah. like la yeah. park's head everywhere and photoshopping <laughs> la park on 9-11 it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's just like dude that's like like i was on 4chan in 2007 too it's cool like but like get over it <laughs> And that's the thing is like it frustrates me a lot because I do think I'm someone that kind of like shines a light on Lucha uh-huh. when a lot of people weren't doing that. And like we were like doing like me and Brandon were doing like a fucking like English speaking Lucha podcast when there like weren't a lot of them when there weren't a lot doing that. And we have totally. like guys that like like Cubs and Fredo Esparza and Dylan Harris and Liger Fever that like, they're like doing it now and like have always like have like been like great for like the scene, but I f- it feels like I'm on the outside looking in with this, and like I'm still the same guy that'll sit there and like fawn over like Echisera versus Aramis, or mm-hmm. fawn over like Flyboy and Toxine like having a, a play assess match. Like Forza still- Guerrero, you were going nuts for Forza Guerrero earlier this year. Yeah, so it's like I'm still that same person. So when I'm sitting there like feeling like on the outside looking in at the LA Park stuff, it feels like shit like am i like off base on lucha and it's like mm-hmm. no like i mean i don't realize like i've seen this a bunch of times already and when you combine it with like the memification of la park and the fact that this feud that was has like been going on for two years and getting ran into the ground sort of like it stops feeling special mm-hmm. and when things stop feeling special and then and when they relied on a special big time aura like it can be good but a lot yeah. of the stuff that like you look for in those matches, like it's not the same anymore. One thing we did want to touch on was just like memification of wrestling in general. Um, and Alley Park was certainly like the biggest example of that. Do you want to go into another great example of that? Uh, yeah, we can. And honestly, um, I don't know which one we're talking about, but I'm gonna. Well, s- I'm I not- had one in particular that I know both of us talk have talked about, it, but I also have another example that I don't think you saw. All right. So I'm going to assume that we both have PCO. That wasn't it. That wasn't it? Oh, oh pardon right. me. I was drinking. We, we want to talk about PCO, though? Hmm, yeah, let's do PCO. Although I'm curious on who you had that we that we didn't talk about. Well, we talked about him before we recorded. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, shit, I think, I'll, I think I'll let you take it away on PCO. Because, <sighs> hey, this, is, this is one where, like, <laughs> us being on the same page on this surprised me. Yeah, sort of. Like, I mean, we watched the show together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this was one that, like, we are definitely on the outside looking in for, too. So really where this starts was WrestleMania weekend, this past WrestleMania, uh, wherein GCW held their second uh, Joey Channel's Spring Break event, which was highlighted by a lot of different matches that we were very excited for and we enjoyed. Um, but one that pardon me one that uh a whole lot of people were stoked for and we were a little wary of and uh ended up not enjoying was uh walter versus pco 
and there's like a whole lot of reasons for it. Um, I know I particular in particular, like was a little freaked out about like the dangerous elements of the match and of like a, of a large 40 year old man, like doing some freaky shit that he probably shouldn't be doing at that age and at that size. And like, thankfully the guy that came out of it, like no worse for wear, but more than that, like you and I really latched onto like this, this bizarre, like earnestly ironic enjoyment of this like 90s WWF guy who was doing crazy moves and taking it to taking it to like one of the most prominent one of the most well-respected one of the most dangerous uh indie wrestlers around um and having like this big uh lethargic <laughs> very uh um oh, there's a word I'm looking for very indulgent wrestling match very chop heavy wrestling match uh and we fucking hated it and everybody in the audience was going nuts for it. And everybody, like, almost universally uh, who we've seen in the months since also loved it. And it's kickstarted, like, the guy, PCO was, like, taking indie bookings well before that. But, like, it kickstarted, like, this huge skyrocketing of his appeal all across the indie world to the point that, like, people are now running Walter rematches in all sorts of different feds. Uh, people are bringing him in to work all sorts of different shows all around the world. <coughs> L.A. Park. Yeah, he's facing the L.A. Park and MLW pretty soon. He worked in, like, one of my favorite promotions, Beyond Wrestling, for their American Rana show recently. He's, uh, he's all over the place. Yeah, he's going to work for fucking... He's working for PWG for their biggest show of the year. And, like, you know, good on the guy. Good on the guy for, like, getting some glory, like, late into his career. Um, especially since, like, he's not... He's not horrible. Like, he's he, he definitely, especially in the 90s, like, had some real appeal as this like big athletic guy in the mid card who was like putting in way more effort than he really needs to into these like small little matches. And like in particular got a whole lot of praise from Bret Hart, which is like a person whose word I highly value, but it's like, it's been so weird to watch his popularity rise because I think it, it does come from this irony that like, I, that is so far removed from what I enjoy in wrestling. Like, um, like I'm a big deathmatch guy and there's a whole lot of like ironic enjoyment inherent in deathmatches because like a lot of that shit sucks and a lot of that shit is like really political and sloppy and like you have to have sort of a tongue in cheek mindset to even enjoy a whole lot of it, especially uh, earlier in this millennium. But like... PCO is like so far removed from that and so far above that that like I don't I don't understand what people are saying like I don't understand why people would rag on all sorts of different people for doing like four burning hammers in a row but love it when he does it or like people who could barely do an Arabian moonsault but like love it when this 40 year old dude does it and like I, on some level I get it like it's a it's a freak show thing it's a it's a spectacle and that's what wrestling is all about but this is this is a boat that's totally missed me and like i i i feel so weird about it this is one where i think it feels like twitter chose a guy that we were gonna get behind and regardless of the outcome whether or not he did bad or performed the way we thought he was gonna perform or whatever yeah we decided we're gonna like have fun with this guy for this year and it's you say with this guy and I think like a huge part of what skews me out about this is like, 
it feels like laughing at a person. Yeah. I'm not someone that will, like, bog down someone for, like, execution or whatever. Sure. Like, I'm a Kazuchika Okada fan. Like, if I'm going to, like, I can't bog down <laughs> anyone for like, for, like, execution. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness me! I mean, like shit, like look, like look at Okada's like elbow or whatever. Like, yeah. I can't, like I can't bog anyone for execution. Like, totally. So like clearly, like like I like other things in wrestling, and if you can do other things in wrestling well, like I'm gonna like you regardless of how well you do your moves. Um. Uh-huh. So like that's not the issue with PCO really. I guess for me it's like even in these matches where he's meant to be some sort of like freak show monster and like i get it like he's like done it in a way where he's like made it part of the image with the fucking mm. dr Destro yeah and those segments on twitter or whatever but it feels forced when we're just like sitting here and like in his first prominent match like he, mm. he worked in he worked in black label pro versus ethan page uh-huh. um did you see that yes yeah, on that match i didn't end up seeing it i did not like it um, i know simon did not like it um but when I'm sitting here watching watching his first prominent match, I guess anywhere or in any setting for the last few years, and seeing him just presented in a lot of ways as like this monster and almost equal to Walter and mm-hmm. taking really ill advised bumps, it didn't help me. That, it didn't help me that I thought that I already thought the match was bad for a few reasons. Like I thought it felt like it went on forever. Yeah, it was a slog. Yeah, it felt like it went on forever. Um, the only good part of it was like the chop battle, and and that itself is like really overblown. Like, yeah, we've um, had our own discussions of that, and we'll and we'll continue to have a discussion of that pretty pretty soon. Uh, and it's just like watching it. I'm like watching one of the best wrestlers in the world, like mm. force himself to make this. I don't want to insult the guy because I don't think he's bad. It's like... Sure. He's athletic. Like, he... It's kind of nuts, like, what he can do at his age. Yeah. Well, like, watching, like, one of the best wrestlers in the world sort of, like, stoop to a level as, as to where, like, he's mm. making this guy. Mm. A guy that doesn't need to be made. Like, it felt strange. It felt odd. Not only that, everyone's praising it as, like, this incredible match. And even like even on a match level, I'm like, do you not remember like the for like the middle portion of this match, the beginning portion of this match, where like mm. it's sort of like quiet and nothing's really going on, mm. and it's not that good, and PCO fucks up a few times, and all that stuff. It's like it feels like really like really convenient to gloss over that, and a lot of mm. that is because we already decided that PCO is gonna be the guy we like and push forward for whatever reasons may they be insidious or not. Um, insidious <laughs> it's frustrating because it's like a lot of it is like I think PCO does a brilliant job marketing himself sure totally like I'll 100% give him that like the stuff like whether or not I like the videos or whatever like he does a great job marketing himself mm. as this like big like freaky Frankenstein like uh-huh. like he's done a great job with that he has like a I don't know who's coming up with this with these ideas, whether it's him or someone else, but it's been great. It's been brilliant marketing. Mm-hmm. I think what frustrates me is like when it goes beyond like being a meme, though. 
because obviously it's still a meme. But when we're like starting to like take it seriously and like book him in high profile matches, I think that's what starts to bother me. The PWG one is like a, a considerable step upward because like GCW, um, as enjoyable as a fed as it is, and as much as like they've had like a match of the year of mine recently and have have put on together like shows of the year, mm-hmm. um, l- largely they're still sort of a jokey fed. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're a fed that people don't give a whole lot of credence. Yeah, so so, to. so it wouldn't be like the gcws of the world be like fucking mm-hmm. nova pro and yeah. not even not even like mlw or black label pro which themselves have yeah. a similar mindset but yeah it's like it's like nova pro it's like pwg even in some ways like even though like like drew has booked like mm-hmm. swoggle for um beyond shows in the past or whatever and had it had like kikutaru or whatever it's like always has comedy yeah yeah but like having like pco versus brian cage it's like you're pretty much like your semi like your semi main event of american rana uh-huh it's like a lot of that stuff it feels like we're going like we're going beyond like taking it as a joke and i don't think this man's career is a joke i don't think what this man is doing himself is a joke the problem is is other people sort of like making him a joke uh-huh. by proxy of like looking at him and just like ah, ha, ha, oh my god this fucking guy just did a arabian moose with one leg ah he's the greatest like i mean like no one else would get that kind of treatment yeah. And I think and, when we, I think because like when we, because we chose PCO, and we mm-hmm. chose that PCO is going to be the story we make this year, it's like PCO, regardless of whether or not he's like capable of working on that level, and a lot of it is people do book PCO for certain crowds, knowing that it'll get talked about on Twitter, and people sure. will make means of it. Like, like why else? Like why else are you booking PCO versus Nick Gage? Yeah. Like why else are you booking PCO versus LA Park? Like, you know exactly why you're booking that. It's just a frustrating thing where, like, I know this guy is taking it seriously. I know this guy is working his ass off. And, like, for him, regardless of, like, whether or not it's, like, sincere or not, he's, like, genuinely happy that this kind of, like, well-received praise um, for this run is happening right now. But I also don't believe, I think a lot of it just doesn't feel sincere. A lot of it yeah, feels like it, really fourth when it comes to BCO. And maybe that maybe that's just how wrestling is. Like maybe wrestling is is basically just this freak show in which people are forced to play up these outlandish characters who are often sort of embarrassing in certain ways because like they have to make a paycheck. That's that's the, the capitalist run world we live in. Um and like I think part of the frustration is frustrated being frustrated in that system is being frustrated that like a person might have to do this that a person might have to like be a joke whether or not he's in on it himself to a national audience to get by to make money at 40 years old and like that's that sucks that's like you and i you and i are pretty earnest people we try to be pretty sincere in our lives and like watching that sort of thing happen like that sucks yeah like and then, like, sometimes I, like, think ahead, like, months and months in the future. And, mm. like, I know for a fact that when me and Tim do the top 50 wrestlers of the year, uh-huh. that when I don't have PCO on it, people are going to be like, well, what the fuck? PCO was, like, the biggest story of wrestling this year and yeah. all that shit. And I'm like... And those people, man, like, those people probably believe that on some level. Yeah, like, I know they believe it. I know they do. And it's not even, like... But it's like... I can't... I'm someone that still looks for quality in wrestling. 
and you know that's that's what it is it's just like man we don't like how he works is that is that all it is like no it's not but it's like obviously not because like i don't like, we've said we've said that we've even said he wasn't terrible yeah. like i didn't like the ethan page match from blp i didn't think the gauge match from uh okay who Nova pro was it was it Nova pro yeah it was commonwealth wasn't it uh yeah pretty sure it was yeah so like Whatever, whatever that was, I was like, oh, it's not, not even that. Like fucking the idea that he just took like seven moon salts from Joey Lynch or whatever to eat an mm-hmm. SCI. Uh-huh. It's like, and we haven't even seen it. But yeah. it's like stuff when you where you like get the results back and like when you're already like on the outside looking in on this thing and it frustrates you because you do have friends that are like all in on the PCO stuff, and then you're just like, fuck, like this just keeps going and going and going and going. Um, and it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon because the bold is still coming up. Uh-huh. And that and that's where I'm really curious on how on how this goes because that's a different that's, that's a different audience than people than PCO's been in front of. Totally. That's that's gonna open him up to like a huge floodgate of other fans. Yeah, so like I'm curious on how Bola goes for that guy because I guess he doesn't have he does, he's not gonna have like the security blanket he's had the last like for last the last few months. Sure. I don't think he'll need it, but sure. Yeah, yeah I don't because I don't know, like I mean, people have gotten booed before in Bola. People have gotten like no reaction in Bola. Like, I mean, he's not—he's not Brian Myers, you know. No, no. But even then, it's like Johnny Mo- like Johnny Mundo was there, and I don't like, yeah. I, like, I, like I don't know. I guess to move on from PCO, and it feels like we just what, like opened up targeting of like a certain section of Twitter. So, sure. in order to even it up, I think we should go to. WXW fans. Oh, okay. Now we touched on a little bit of this when we did our um, sixteen carat weekend review mm-hmm. podcast with Timothy, and a lot of it was that, in the eyes of a lot of fans, that WXW can do no wrong. Uh-huh. WXW is like the new shiny toy promotion, and it I, was like the speaking from personal experience, like the last couple of years, WXW for the most part was like one of the only promotions that I felt was doing wrestling right. Mm. That was like, that was like putting on stuff that I wanted to see that was marketing and booking stuff that I wanted to see and marketing and booking stuff that I initially was not uh, behind, but became a fan of in the process of telling that story just because like they, they execute stuff. Well, like they're, they're a promotion I love and one that I've loved for a long time, but the last couple of years, like they really became something that, uh, was like really special to me that stood out to me yeah and like again like keep, like keep in mind here we both love wxw uh-huh but it's a thing where we see how like wxw has like this bubble around them uh-huh. and like like no negative energy can somehow get into the wxw sphere so yeah. we threw some ideas out there when we like did the 16 karat podcast stuff saying how, like, if WXW keeps going in certain directions, like, we don't know, like, how long, like, we'll be able to kind of, like, keep, like, writing this off and, like, not addressing certain stuff. And recently, now, spoilers if you haven't, like, watched this show, but on Shortcut to the Top, Ilya, Ilya Dragunov faces Absolute Andy, the winner of the 16 character tournament, um, and the WXW Unified title match. And... Uh-huh. Absolute Andy wins. 
And the reason why I'm going to Absolute Andy is because we have a friend named Evan um, in the Slack chat uh-huh. who is a huge Andy fan. I know there's a lot of people on Twitter that we talk to or that are friends with us to follow us that sure. are in the Andy too. But talking about Evan in particular here, because Evan is very new to wrestling outside of the WWE. And, and still, in, in the grand scheme of things, is still new to wrestling. Yes, yeah. Um, and he's gotten very much into WXW. And one of the people he's very into is Absolute Andy. Uh-huh. Keep in mind here is that all Evan knows here is heel Absolute Andy. He like, has uh, specifically like washed up middle-aged divorced dad heel Absolute Andy. Yeah, he has an experienced babyface Absolute Andy. Mm-hmm. He like doesn't even know when he turned. I, I wouldn't think unless he's unless he paid attention to the video packages. Might have. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But. Absolute Andy in the current state he's in has in our Slack chat gotten compared to Triple H mm-hmm. in look, um, move set, whatever. And Absolute Andy's always been that way in move set, doing spine busters and sure. F5s and shit. Like, Knee drop. Yeah, he's always done this. But I think what took it over the top was just like the sunglasses and the smoker the jacket. Like, yeah, like all of it has like come like in a full circle package of like resembling like ultimate shit heel triple H. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, Evan doesn't like that stuff. But for some reason when Andy does it, he likes it. And, mm-hmm. it's, not, and it's not to say that these things are equivalent or that if you like one thing you have to like the other. Sure. Or that like but I think it's interesting how this person can be like in your eyes, almost an, almost an exact model of a wrestler that you're not the fondest of. Mm. But yet, when he's doing all these things, it clicks for you. Now, like, there's one I would offer. I would offer an excuse that I think a lot of listeners might be jumping to already. And I think that will segue into our, our actual point here. Um, I would offer the point that, like, during Triple H's reign of terror in the early aughts, like WWE in general was also doing a whole bunch of horse shit. Yeah. Not related to Triple H. And so in a place like WXW, it's like, oh, well, if Andy's like the only guy on the card doing that sort of thing, maybe it feels okay. The thing is, historically, and even up into the modern day, WXW hasn't been doing that. Yeah. So for people that, I guess, aren't super aware of WXW history, WXW has always had bullshit. Like uh, always, always like dating back to like your Karsten Beck days, um, mm. your Steve Douglases, your um, R's and your Swiss Money Holdings. Like you've like, like this has been a thing in WXW mm. for a long they've, time. They've always, they were always for a long time. They were like a deathmatch oriented promotion, but even more than that, they were like very much into like Memphis style wrestling mm. of like tons of stipulations, tons of screw finishes, tons of like. Um, like punch and kick heavy matches, yeah. lots of blood, things like that. And I, and I think we we talked talked about about this before too. When I was uh-huh. when we were, I forgot who it was pertaining to, but it was about like how you may not realize it because like you jump into a company at a certain point, but like and you jump into a company that like at a certain point has remodeled itself to be about ring comp and be about like. Uh, sportsmanship and athleticism and wrestling as like bettering yourself mm-hmm. and 
when you look at it, it's a lot of like pulling the wool over someone's eyes, and that's what wrestling mm-hmm. is, really. But it's totally. like you're getting like this presentation of like this is what WXW is, it's about competition and all this stuff, and then really it's like you have like shit heel cheating all down the card. Uh-huh. So when you have absolute Andy doing it in the main event, it's like not gonna hold as much weight because you've seen people do it, whether it was Rise, whether it was um Bobby Guns. Bobby Guns, a new a, Tarkin Tarkin Aslan just did a like a fucking what, eight month like fake injury angle? Yeah. Like yeah. the like the newly healed JFK where they like stole the title belts and ran away. Uh-huh. Like this is the kind of like, Yarn Simmons like literally murdering a man. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like like that's like so like when we're talking about like absolute Andy, it isn't like he's like this only cheating heel in the company. It's there's a whole bunch of cheating heels. Uh-huh. And I think but to go to like, circle back to why WXW fans are on the list. I think I think WXW fans sort of just like gloss over stuff because we mm. love because WXW has been like this underrated gem of the mm. European scene for the last decade, which they have been. I'm yeah. on record saying that like some of the stuff that like Brian Danielson did in WXW in his run is like the best stuff Danielson's done ever. Yeah. And someone, so, some of your favorite matches ever have come from WXW before they got big. Yeah. So when I'm saying this, it's not coming from a place of like, this company doesn't even, doesn't even deserve to be on the, in, the, in the place they are. They, des- they deserve to be selling out um, Oberhausen and Hamburg and all these places like when they're going for their big shows. They deserve to like tour and have mm. a weekly episodic show. Like they, like they do wrestling really well. Mm-hmm. But I think WXW is the ultimate example of what we're talking about here on this podcast. And that's fans sort of like putting on these rose colored glasses and never looking to criticize WXW. It reminds me a lot of like peak ROH, which um, especially early on was like so heavy on the honor stuff while being like hardly any different from your CZWs. To make a comparison here, progress when progress like starts like starts like, getting bigger and obviously po- progress is like yeah. this big punching bag now on twitter um that people routinely dunk on or five reasons good reason fine, like, yeah and other, other times it's finding a reason to dislike them um sure sure but progress and progress first start first starts coming up a lot of it a lot of like the discourse about progress is like oh uh, like it's like amazing storytelling um mm. wrestling done right great production they tell stories all this stuff and it's like people started complaining eventually about all the bullshit that would be in progress matches. Mm. And I remember making a point on Twitter once to might've been Robin Reed who does stuff for VOW as um, for like the Brit rest round table or whatever. And I remember saying like, well, how is this progress any different than the progress where Jimmy Havoc and Will Ospreay have a whole bunch of bullshit in their like big title switch uh-huh. or how is this any different from like any like any of that stuff like the Jimmy from the Jimmy Havoc run from the, from the Marty Skrull runs, or, or like, the um oh what was the uh, stable that El Ligero was in um the Origin Origin yeah or like the whole way the Origin came together is like these masked guys who just randomly won the tag belts yeah like a lot of it is like it's always been in progress so when we're starting to, like, starting to complain about it, about like British strong style I'm like well mm. hold on like this has always been progress. Why are we yeah. suddenly? Why are we suddenly having an issue with it? And it's like, oh, now you understand, because the rose-colored glasses are off. 
now that they've been around for a few years and they've been like the hot company for a few years, you gotta start totally. looking at them, you gotta start looking at them differently. And I think WXW is in that period now where they're in the they're in the spot progress was a few years ago as to where like yeah. progress is like the best, the best the best pressing promotion going right now, telling their stories, it all makes sense. And it's not to say WXW doesn't make sense or that like those um um praises are false. Hmm. It's just that they're in a spot right now where no one's gonna critique them, just like progress was a few years ago. And my thing is I'm waiting to see if that happens with WXW just as it happened to progress. And for other reasons, progress like had those things happen where people were kind of sort of like eager to like jump on them and a lot of it putting, a lot of, a lot of it they putting, framed themselves in a weird way that that rubs a lot of people the wrong way yeah uh, held shows without bathrooms <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so like a lot of stuff progress still did, makes like, me mad a lot of stuff progress did like led to sort of like the online backlash uh-huh. that we've been seeing that we like we've seen from them but i'm just curious on whether or not like the current darling in wxw is going to be facing like the same fate who knows you know like it's it's hard to track that sort of thing but like it's i don't know it's it is it is frustrating especially because like i've fallen prey to it personally like it is frustrating to to see so many people like just seemingly mindlessly fawn over something that it's like man like this kind of i'm not liking this this kind of stinks and it's <laughs> and it's the sort of like this kind of stinks that's been around for a long time and i thought this promotion had maybe gotten past yeah it's like when you like really look at it it's like huh like the stuff that they had like steve douglas and ours mm-hmm. doing and carson beck doing like it's like maybe that stuff never went away yeah. maybe, maybe it just even like ring conf like like ring, like in, in a lot of ways it made the ring conf act like more compelling in that they're like they're they say they're all about sportsmanship and honor about the and honor and competition and all this shit but, uh-huh. in, re- but in reality they're interfering in matches but at the same time it's like even in like that ring conf stable that was still bullshit um so to move on from that uh, where do you want to go next well uh i was making mention of it earlier um and you weren't picking up on the cues but i think it's time for us to talk about uh the twitter account of one progressive nick gage uh on top on top of this i think i think we do need to talk about nick gage too uh, sure sure um so you can go you can lead this one off so this is um this is a twitter account that as far as i know has only popped up over the last few days um i've only seen its tweets come across my timeline in the last week or so anyone who's like listening will be familiar with nick gage we mentioned him earlier in the podcast real aggressive guy uh legitimate ex-con like a guy who's lived a very violent lifestyle a guy who's seen a lot who's done a lot um guy who maybe we shouldn't be so so flippant about in regards to what he did at certain points of his life um but for the most part like like a guy who's who's wrestling i have enjoyed at various points uh through especially my deathmatch wrestling fandom and over the last year since he came back to wrestling in June 2017, like he's gotten extremely popular just being like this, uh, completely uncouth, this completely in your face, this completely violent character that you just, you don't see a ton of anymore in wrestling. Um, and especially he's gotten, he's gotten fans who came outside of the usual deathmatch bubble, uh, which is itself like a niche of a niche <laughs> in the natural process of like people enjoying wrestling i guess like he 
very quickly became like a meme of sorts and people started like getting in on the joke or ironically enjoying the joke or like playing up their earnestness in a very ironic way um and this has as of late led to the peak of progressive nick gage which is a twitter account in which nick gage tweets about books and music and like um i don't even know what the fuck else but like tweets in his very aggressive manner uh full of gang signs full of (laughs) full of uh acronyms standing for vile acts uh but talking about like kurt vonnegut and uh, dvorak and like it's funny sort of um i found the vonnegut tweet funny at least because i like vonnegut a lot but it's i don't know it's another example of like people just turning something that is a serious b special like the sorts of things we were talking about with la park earlier uh but also c sort of like uh sort of problematic in certain ways and turning it into just like this weird tongue-in-cheek joke that like rubs us in a weird way um so some months back um back when we were doing the top 100 matches of the year thing and maybe even like a little bit after this maybe this popped up but we started having me and brock started having conversations do you want to talk about this yeah i'm going to talk about this okay because like we've we've never like actually addressed this publicly um so around the time i believe the nick gage slice someone's ankle open tweet uh-huh. happened i remember seeing a lot of people that what well, i guess would identify themselves as like progressive sort of like hand waving this tweet sure um talking about it's just in, it's just in character yeah. blah, blah 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 if you're offended by this like, like a whole bunch of shit and i've never really like had issues with nick gage always enjoyed nick gage whatever but something about that particular couple of days on Twitter mm-hmm. from after this tweet rubbed me the wrong way. And a lot of what rubbed me the wrong way is the crime Nick Gage was convicted of was robbing a bank. Yeah. And I'm not begrudging the guy for robbing a bank at a little point in his life. Yeah, the guy was homeless. Like, yeah. He and his girlfriend both, I believe. Yeah, I'm not begr- so I'm not here to begrudge a guy for robbing a bank. But I also think because his crime is robbing a bank, people sort of like brush over that and make it out to be a heroic act that he was doing. Yes, this is like it's just, it's a weird like political thing. Yes, it's very political, um, very much on your like social beliefs and rob the rich. Like I get it, you know. It, yeah, but. It was disturbing to me for a few reasons. Um, Nick Gage is a bald white man that did time in a prison in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. He comes out and he's talking about MDK, filling up gang um, signs, gang affiliated. You You can go ahead and jump in there. uh, So, uh, in... Around around this time, I, I brought it upon myself to uh, look into certain things. I, I watched a whole bunch of Nick Gage shoot interviews to try to find some specific information that I'm sure you'll allude to here in a second. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't think I ever like actually specifically told this to you, but like there there's a shoot of the day that he gets out, where he gets out and he meets his girlfriend, meets Brett Lauderdale, meets a couple other people. They all they all go out to eat, and it's just like they film 
all of them hanging out and talking and shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like the next day or something, they go to his house and, and they like film an actual like sit down interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I wanted to bring this up to you. So he gets out in uh, 2015, spring of 2015. And uh, Brett Lauderdale asks him what he thinks of president Obama. And I don't think I ever spoke, like told this to you, but like Nick Gage very much doesn't like president Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I just I, I thought I might bring that up at this point. <laughs> okay. Um well my thing about Nick Gage and like the thing about Nick Gage and frankly the fucking white people throwing up the MDK sign when the at shows sure. with them and yelling up gang affiliated and all this shit on Twitter is what kind of gang do you think the bald white dude was in mm-hmm. when he was in prison? Now, granted I had someone tell me that he was Jewish and that, and that's, and that's what you were watching these shoot interviews for because yeah, when I, I planned on doing like a solo show about this and I was like, you know what? No, like I'll find, I'll find the time to bring this up eventually. Uh-huh. So I, so you watched the shoot interviews trying to find the information on whether or not Nick Gage was Jewish because someone said this, you looked for mm-hmm. it to see if it was like in any interviews or whatever. And I, I, like, I think you know, like, yeah, yeah, no, I found nothing. And, and it's like, I specifically wanted to do this because I had likewise heard this at one point, like, years ago, like 2011 or some shit, from some, like, some asshat I was at a show with. So, like, it was weird to me that it was coming up again, but I had never heard about it before. Um, but, yeah, like, I watched, like, four different shoot interviews he had done since leaving prison. Um, or in between his two prison stints, rather. Uh, and read a whole bunch of, like text interviews he had done at various points throughout his career and it's like i i don't have any evidence to point one way or another whether or not he is a jewish person um and i'm not trying to say that nick gage is a skinhead or an aryan a white supremacist i'm not trying to say this but i think if we're just being honest with ourselves and the Mm -hmm. fact that how prison systems in the united states work Mm -hmm. and how sectioned off they are and how race-based they are what you got to do when you're in there for four years yeah what you got to do when you're in there like not just for a few months like you're doing years in a prison Uh system like common sense would tell you he had to be in some kind of gang whether or not he says he was in prison or not who knows he 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 denies it he in all of his interviews he has specifically said like i didn't fuck with that shit and i don't want to call him a liar but it's like you're in there for four years. Mm. like, And then another year on top of that. Yeah. So my thing is, is that as a black man, it sort of made me uncomfortable to see people so freely talking about MDK and murder, death, kill, and gang affiliated mm. with the bald white ex-con without knowing what gang he's talking about. Because common sense would tell you that he might have been in a gang that was into, that was into some racist homophobic transphobic xenoph- like xenophobic shit mm. and whether or not he was in the gang who knows but he might be might have been affiliated with one because he's white and that was like the easiest way to get accepted in a, in a prison make mm. sure nobody fucks with him he might have been associate might have been an associate we could have been doing other odd jobs for for the gang yeah all hearsay but like you know and th- th- this is all like throwing hypotheticals out there yeah but my thing is how can you sit there and just like 
be so freely throwing, like, saying MDK and Murder, Death, Kill and gang-affiliated and all this shit. And then talk about, like, oh, that Nick Gage tweet isn't character. Like, don't worry about it. Like, what fucking gang do you think he was in? Like, this is, like, this is, like an honest question that I even posted on Twitter. It's, like, mm-hmm. and I didn't get, like, a much, like, many replies on it. I think I got a few retweets and likes, but it's, like, who, like, what, like, what gang do you, like, honestly think this guy was in? Yeah. And it's, like, something where it bothers me with, like, people, like, just not thinking about it because they, like, because, like, you know, it's a whole bunch of, like, privileged white wrestling fans. Like, they don't have to think about fucking gangs and shit. Sure. Like, they don't, like, they don't have to, like, they can, like, see, like, oh, gang affiliate, MDK, cool, gonna throw, yeah. up, throw it up at wrestling shows. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, but to me, like, someone who's, like, seen gang culture, seen prison gang culture, it's sort of gross to me, mm-hmm. frankly, to see how people were just so willy-nilly and just like throwing like and just saying this shit and not ever thinking about like hold on what gang is he talking about or should i really be like endorsing whatever gang nick gage is talking about hmm. because it doesn't matter what like what it, like the crime or whatever like you know rob the bank whatever how he like, did his time too he like, did his time so it's like my thing is if you just look at like nick gage the time he spent in prison and the fact that he's talking about a gang, it's like, I feel like some red flags should be going off there for people. But it's I think a big it, question marks. But I think it should. But I think it speaks to like the privilege of white wrestling fans that like no one has brought up these red flags at hmm. any point. And it's something that has bothered me for months with Nick Gage. It's not. To, it's not to say that like all this stuff like makes me not enjoy his matches. That's not true. Like I enjoyed um. Do you? Because Nick, we've talked about it. Like. Like Nick Gage versus Walter, I liked a lot. Okay, yeah, I enjoyed that match. Yeah, um, that was yeah, that was one you liked and I didn't. Wait. Um, Gage versus Keith Lee, I enjoyed. Um, I'm not sure I ever got to watch. I'm not sure I ever got got around to watching Gage versus Janela. But, I, but I've, I've liked a lot of the Nick Gage I've seen. So this isn't coming from a place where I don't like Nick Gage. Sure, this is coming from a place of holding, holding people accountable. Yeah, because I don't think anyone is really being held accountable for the fact that we are just. Saying okay to a fucking gang that we don't know what this guy is talking about. Yeah, and it's really gross. I don't know if you had anything to add on that one. No, like this is this is stuff that I've touched on in some of my reviews uh, over the last ten months or so with with Gage in particular, um, and it's something you and I have spoke about privately and have like alluded to in podcasts and on Twitter, as you said. But um, like I I don't I don't know what else to say, like because like that's the story of wrestling like people who are affiliated with certain um unsavory things or people who have like done bad things at various points in their life and and sort of like coming to terms with what your enjoyment of their wrestling or what your support of the wrestling means in the long run um and like all we can do is like ask people to think about it a little more yeah and that's like all i'm asking for is like when you're like so eager to sit there and write mdk and gang affiliated in your tweets like Hmm. just think a little bit harder about like what gang you think this guy is talking about and that's all i'm asking for is some consideration because i can speak as a black wrestling fan when i see people do that like it it disappoints me gets sort of uncomfortable it's just like you would think you would think like it's people that you like too that'll do it Hmm. so you'll like see it and like you'll get uncomfortable see like seeing it it's like Man, if only you guys like maybe like thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. But 
I think I know. No, well, I, I one last thing. I, I think I do know which gang it is, mm. and it it is Gucci Gang. <laughs> Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. I wonder if any. I wonder if we have any listeners that like Lil Pump. Oh, we got. We definitely have some people who who ha, who at least know who Lil Pump is. I don't. I don't think anyone who listens to this regularly might actually <laughs> listen to Lil Pump. But promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, pro wrestling announcer Kevin Kelly here. I want to make sure you are all subscribed to all the great feeds here at Place to Be Nation. It's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, which, of course, includes the full archives of The Kevin Kelly Show, the Place to Be Nation pod feed, and the pro wrestling only feed. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And be sure to give Justin your true thoughts. I mean, don't hold back. After all, he is kind of a jerk. Just listen to Scott. Please be nations, JT Rosero and Chad Campbell here. We want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and placevenation.com. We offer them to you on two great feeds. On the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, we bring you the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, along with main event, Survey Says, the Monday Night Wars, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction show, as well as Jeff Learns Wrestling. In addition to these full-length shows, we also deliver special network podcasts and pod blasts on topics old and new. Over on the Pro Wrestling Only feed, we dive deep inside the wrestling business with a stacked army of experts leading the way. The feed features potpourri shows such as This Week in Wrestling, Greetings from Allentown, Match of the Week podcasts, and the Military Industrial Suplex. We also have shows that focus intently on certain topics like Through the Years, Worldcast, Strong Style History, Strong Style Story, and Mount Olympus. Plus, the feed has the full archives of legendary shows like Titans of Wrestling, Where the Big Boys Play, Letters from Center Stage, and Letters from Kayfabe, plus much more. And on our very popular Place to Be Nation Pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as Talkin' Pop, the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, NBA Team, PTBM Play, Sunday Groove, Breaking Balls, and Lucha Undead. As well as a vertical podcast heaven for comics fans. With the hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversations, Geek and Sassy, and Marvel Age Podcasts. You can find all of these current shows, plus archives of our past podcasts, including the Kevin Kelly Show, as well by subscribing to both feeds on iTunes. And while there, be sure to rate and leave feedback today. All these shows, plus others, available at PlaySpation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus in-depth stretch projects, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlaySpation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping, and download our free PTB Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks via the links on our site. We also want to thank our friends at Boneheads, Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, and the History of Wrestling.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaySpation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. So where do you want to go now? Uh, I wanted to touch on just a brief one because it's sort of related to Gage and like a whole lot of these sorts of fans on the internet. Um, I kind of, I kind of hate people who are like anti-intellectual and like we've touched on this before. Um, I think this came up in a big way with my, with like who I considered like the top 20 wrestlers of all time, which was something we, we talked about in the AJ Styles podcast last year. And I made mention of the fact that like, I just hate dumb wrestlers. Uh, and it, and this is sort of related to that, where it's just like, 
I hate I hate people who and you would think this would be a thing with just newer fans. But that's not really what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at here is like people who've been watching wrestling for as long as I have or even longer. People who like know their shit. People who are in subgroups. Who are in bubbles of bubbles of bubbles. Um, who are like, no, all that matters in wrestling is like cool moves. And like to each their own. Like there's no accounting for taste, all that jazz. But like I fucking hate when people try to make a thing dumber and come at that from like a, a high and mighty position like a, a place where they're like no i'm smart enough to think that this should be dumber and like that just it really bothers me in a weird way like um because like i want i want my wrestling to be more than just like flashing lights in pretty colors like i want i want wrestling that's like executed well in a variety of different ways that i would like wrestling to be more emotionally based though it doesn't always have to be to be good i would like wrestling that like asks questions that like gets to the heart of like more complicated issues that like tries to aim higher and actually achieve a whole lot of that and like i don't know to see people on twitter who are just like no all that matters is this guy does a cool moonsault or like i like the way a canadian destroyer looks Mm. like that that's just a little thing that like bothers me all that i think a lot of it's like getting out of that phase of your wrestling fandom like sort of early that thing without thing like we might have been like we might have been sure like gone through with like early on in our lives because oh i totally did yeah because like you like went head first into indie wrestling Mm -hmm. and like a lot of it was like me i saw i saw like a whole bunch of the early ecw stuff um as far as like tna too right yeah like tna um so like cool moves and all that shit were like part of why i liked the exhibition so much and um you know when you're eight nine years old seeing seeing a canadian destroyer done gonna blow your mind totally but um for me i think i got out of that like really quickly or rather quickly as i started getting more into uh early 90s and like late 80s new japan which was like mm. a lot of the first like japanese wrestling i started watching Tsumi fujinami baby yeah so like while i'm watching like ricky choshu uh and like something all I these just... people all these people who are better than jumbo Saruta. Uh, yeah, I can give you a thousand wrestlers rather than Jumbo Saruta. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but as I'm watching, like, fucking, like, Tatsumi Fujinami versus, like, Kengo Kimura from, like, 1987, which I just happened to watch yesterday, like, for uh-huh. the first time in a few years. It's, like, stuff like that is what I started, like, gravitating to. I started liking stuff like that, um, where it felt a little bit more personal, felt a little mm-hmm. bit more heated, dangerous, volatile, um authentic yeah and, and like that's one thing that i like in wrestling is like anyone that knows me knows i like is i'm not the hard person to please when it comes to my wrestling like sure. i'll like pretty much anything as long as it gives me something entertaining or engages me in some capacity mm. what that capacity is is going to be decided but that's something that as far as like as i got older that's why i started looking for my wrestling that's why wwe at that time lost me that's why TNA started to lose me and like why places like Ring of Honor and DDT and all that like started like started to gain me uh-huh. and I don't know it's like it doesn't bother me but at the same time like I think it bothers me when you like you like interact with these people because like yeah. I think when you like when you know those people exist that's fine like you know like those like PWG ROH Bullet Club fans exist 
that's not even who I mean. Totally. I, I, I know, You're I know, right. I know. But like, you know, yeah. like it's like 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 I don't interact with those kind of fans. But like, you know, they exist. So it's like uh-huh. they don't bother me. But like, would I actually want to have like a conversation with these people about yeah. wrestling? Probably not. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like the kind of people like you were you you were referring to though. I a lot. Of... A lot of the people I'm referring to are CMLL fans. Yeah. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Like, <laughs> this this comes from just like, I don't know. There's a, like a lot of valid criticism of intellectualism in general. And especially like trying to apply intellectualism to something as simple and stupid as professional wrestling. But like, fuck it, man. Like, I just, I don't get anything out of people who in bad faith are just like, I want this to challenge me less. Right. And like, sometimes you need that. Like sometimes you just need something to turn on and just be like, Oh, this was fun. I've had a long day at work. Like I'm beat. Like my neck is sore. I've, I just want to put something on for a couple hours and, and doze off. Like that's yeah. completely valid. But like, I hate, I, it, it goes back to like the first thing I wanted to talk about. Like I hate when people just want something to be only one way. Right. I think for me, it's like, we gotta keep my, like, we're like, we're like two people that like, go in depth on like why we love a match like uh-huh. just this morning like uh like maybe like the ninth or 10th fucking like okada versus hanahashi match just happened yeah and like for me that's like and we a, had long discussions about it yeah it's like a big like defining match of like my wrestling fandom uh i call i'd call it the i'd call it the greatest rivalry ever sure so like when i'm like getting really into that match and like looking at all the details and all that shit it's like because I'm, like, emotionally into my wrestling and I like my wrestling to kind of, like, hit, like, emotional notes for me. It's, like, that's, like, those callbacks, those, like, growths as wrestlers and all that shit is, like, what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of, like, my, the way I view wrestling and the way I talk about wrestling, like, um, for the first few, like, months or maybe, like, the year that, I, like, I first met Sam from We Don't Know Wrestling, it was, like, a lot of that stuff was, like, what we clashed on. Talking about, like, because Sam is someone that um when i first met him was like saying that context doesn't shouldn't be needed for like wrestling to be good you should mm-hmm. be needed you should be able to like throw it on and all that stuff and like you know it still be good and translate well um sure. and i was always someone that said like no like context matters like regardless of like where it's happening like the place someone is in their career matters the location matters like the place you are in your life matters yeah like all this stuff like matters when you watch a wrestling match and that's a lot of where me and sam started like not butting heads but it was like wow like we had like these long discussions and that's mm-hmm. where a lot of that stuff came from and yeah funny enough sam is a big lucha fan <laughs> <laughs> and that's like like one one thing related to this too is like i mean at least from what i'm seeing from my perspective you know i don't know a whole lot of these people well I've never had, like, a group DM with them or anything. Uh, But, like, a lot of these people, like, don't seem to be people who, like, just appreciate the aesthetics of wrestling. Especially aesthetics in, like, a capital A philosophical sense. It's just, like, I don't know. Like, uh, so much of it is, is, like, is um, positioning yourself as other from what is popular. from, From the things that other people enjoy that the the things that are like big uh during like i don't know your your time on this earth (laughs) like Mm. it's it's people like it's a sort of hipsterism like at its very basis form of of taking like of taking what 
are great qualities of all these sorts of different all these sorts of different approaches all these sorts of like uh types of art and combining them in an ironic sense and just saying like i like it when it's simple because other people seem to be enjoying something a little more complex at the moment to move on to one our first wwe centric one the man that some people call the hottest baby face in wwe throughout 26 2018 and it's probably true it is one seth rollins I didn't actually like I we listed him here because like he was someone we wanted to talk about um and we made this list like weeks and weeks ago. I didn't actually take any notes on this. So how about you start us off here? Well, I'll defend a lot of the um, bad start. Bad start. <laughs> well, 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 I'll defend a lot of the viewing of Seth Rollins highly due to the fact that Raw is complete dog shit. Sure. Like I'll like I'll de- like I'll defend it. Due to the fact that, like, if he's like a sole bright spot in the company, yeah, or, or at being least the, on the show, being the best the thing, being the best thing about a bad show is yeah. worthy of praise. Mm. So, if he's the best thing on a bad show, I get why people will like latch onto him and get excited when he comes out and all that stuff. But here's where we start to take a turn. I don't think someone should just be thrusted into wrestling of, wrestler of the year conversation because they're the best bright spot in bad WWE. And I think that's the part that like annoys me and annoys some people is like, just because he's like the bright spot of a bad show, doesn't mean that his resume directly qualifies for, he should be in wrestler of the year contention. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, that's what a lot of the Rollins stuff has been is like, Rollins is on fire the wrestler of the year in WWE for sure. He should be in people's it, most outstandings and top tens and all this stuff. And it's like, if we, if we really like, I'm not saying like, we're always like, if you like Seth Rollins' matches that much, if you like the Ziggler stuff that much, the McIntyre stuff, if you like all that stuff that much, like whatever. But I'm talking about people that just sort of like watch WWE. And then because Rollins just happens to be the best guy in, in WWE like that, it's like, it doesn't mean that he's actually one of the best in the world that year, though. Yeah, this was, well, this is, like, sort of related to our Mark Henry discussion earlier, in that, like, I think there's a a undeniable phenomenon related to not just WWE, but, like, any sort of large promotion that has any sort of, like, meaningful international fan base, mm. who, um, anytime someone gets, like, a notable main event or main event adjacent push people will be like oh they're having a fantastic year like this is like some of the best stuff of their career like they're they're a true great wrestler now simply because the spotlight is on them and we we saw with mark henry with his 2006 run with his 2011 run both of which like are pretty cool both of which like we think of highly in in one way or another but like people i don't know people like extrapolate out into ways that like don't have i think a perspective on the bigger picture it's not that this i should everything that we've talked about this so far on this show has never been about the wrestler like we're not we're not coming after wrestlers on this show and i don't even necessarily want to come after like fans maybe we should (laughs) (laughs) but it's like i think a lot of it is that like getting so eager when you're a wwe fan to call something great there's there's a big like culture around that especially as like i think by and large 
the zeitgeist has moved away from wwe like there's there's like a natural inclination for wwe fans especially people who are either entirely or primarily wwe fans to be like oh this guy is great because i want to say that someone other than your favorite guy is great yeah it's like seth rollins is having this great year and then i don't fucking know like you guys are out here talking about like kenny omega and kazushi okada and naito well oh rollins has been over here carrying wwe on his back on raw this year it's like uh uh-huh. i don't think that's something necessary when you just talk about like someone just had like a good year i do think rollins had a good year i do think rollins like being the bright spot of bad programming is a great thing for him it pro- uh-huh. but i think what bothers a lot of us is how like willing we're able to just like where we are to just like mm. disregard everything else that's happening in the world to make a case for someone that's like you know just happens to be our favorite like that happens to be like working in our favorite or like promotion or the only promotion that we watch even part of what makes this so frustrating is that like i don't think this issue would exist if we didn't have something like the we don't know wrestling 100 yeah like if there, if there wasn't a a large project that a whole lot of people like put their time and energy into and uh, a lot of people who have like very different opinions and ideas and perspectives on wrestling if there wasn't like a need for um or a desire rather for your guy to come out on top like this this wouldn't be so much of a thing or even like even like beyond us like when like like the observer awards it's sure. like there's a lot of people that mainly watch wwe in new japan yeah. so when the time like by the time the observer, observer awards come out i don't know which one rounds are gonna which one which one rounds are gonna do better in between most outstanding, most outstanding and flair feds but like it'd be safe to assume that because like rollins has been like quote-unquote like the best guy in wwe hmm. that when that stuff comes around he'll rank pretty highly might yeah. make might make one of those top threes so it's like, like it's not it's not a relative thing it's a requisite thing yeah it, it's it's because he's the best guy in wwe he's gonna get so high as opposed to like he put in good work which made him the best guy mm-hmm. and it's frustrating like when because you mentioned something like that we don't know wrestling 100 something that like me and you like help sam with help sam with and like post on the uh-huh. forums and, like give him ideas for and then like last year to just see someone like aj styles Yep, be number one. Yep. after doing nothing yeah. for most of the year, pretty much, like that's frustrating. And I'm not sure if Rollins Rollins is going to be a more frustrating pick than AJ was because AJ like really like, coasted in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that like when you like really do put in time and effort and like making sure these like year end lists are like curated in a way where everything gets represented equally yeah to see someone just such a nerdy thing you know like yeah. this is like this is such like an insular and dorky thing to talk of course, about of course it is like it's like an insular and, and dorky podcast though true but like to see someone like rollins just sort of like make it in there on a high on, on a high level because well he was the best guy in wwe like that's like that's not good enough for me yeah like that's just not good enough for me when like we're putting in time to like create like accurate like snapshots of like what each year has been for wrestling Mm. now to move on to a topic that's a little bit more recent recent as in like literally happened the day before 
we recorded, we recorded this. News broke that Colt Cabana is suing CM Punk. Uh, excuse me, uh, one Scott Colton is suing one Philip Brooks. Thank you for the proper names of both of the um, people involved in this case. But news broke that Colt and Punk were in a lawsuit, possibly going to trial. This is not that soon after they were just in a long-standing case with a uh, Dr. O- Dr. Um, Amen or Amen, whatever his name is. I believe it's Amon. Amon. Um, and that trial had just finished. And a lot of the stuff that um, I guess we, we were given as reasons for the lawsuit hmm. were that CM Punk wasn't going to pay for Colt Cabana's half of the legal proceedings. Yeah. CM Punk, like, noted WWE superstar, W or, uh, noted uh, UFC fighter, um, has appeared in more than a couple of films at this point. Like, a guy who gets around, a guy who makes money. Yeah. Uh, compared to Colt Cabana, who, like, I guarantee you he's one of the ten best paid guys in the indies right now, but still just, like, an independent wrestler who is, like, making towns every right. weekend. Like, totally different worlds financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, coming into this, there was, like, we don't have the full details, obviously. Like, we're not, like, intimately familiar with, with like, the text messages between these guys. We have, like, little snippets we got from this, uh, I believe it was an article from the Chicago Tribune. But from what we understand, it appeared like Punk offered to pay for the legal proceedings for the both of them. Understanding that, like, he had far more money than his friend did. Um, and in the months since that trial ended it seems like punk has been trying to get the half of the legal proceedings that cabana owes him uh regardless of whether or not that was like a prerequisite for this entire deal we're not like totally aware and the reason why we bring this up is immediately on twitter a lot of people from both of our timelines uh-huh started taking the time to use this as, as time to like dunk on CM Punk to mm-hmm. shit on CM Punk which is hardly a new thing it's hardly a new thing you know whatever whenever punk gets in the U- gets in the UFC ring you know people unite and want to talk about how he embarrassed himself and all this stuff it's um, a bad fighter uh, yeah that's that's not a new thing but i think it hit both of us in a weird way Mm. because I know the first thing I thought of when people started doing this is like, you mentioned the word friend. Mm. CM Punk and Colt Cabana haven't been friends for a while. From what we understand. For a while. Yeah. So when I first saw this, I saw this as two guys who did the trial together because they were both getting sued and had to get through it. And then Everyone else saw like these like two lifelong friends and here's CM Punk burning another bridge. I'm like, hmm. these two haven't been friends for a while now, though. Yeah. Cabana knew this. Punk knew this. Punk didn't randomly decide to just c- toss Cole Cabana to the side. Yeah. He didn't he didn't randomly decide like, hey, I'm going to fleece my pal of the last 20 years or so for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, like, that's not what happened here. And I think a lot of it is sort of, like, 
dishonesty and eagerness to jump on Punk because I know because because that was that was like a pro wrestling sheet story. Like that was a story that I don't think I ever saw. I I only ever saw the the Tribune article, so you'd have to fill me in there. Yeah, like this was like this was like an art. These are like this was like an article or whatever that made the rounds that CM Punk and Kukamana fell out. Oh, back then, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So people knew this. So to see everyone just sort of like CM Punk is a terrible person because he just like left his friend out in the cold. I'm like, yeah, you guys know perfectly well (laughs) that these guys haven't been friends. And that's the thing is like. People are quick to jump on Punk being a bad guy because he's a bad guy. Like that's not news to anybody. Uh, it, like it really, like it really fucking shouldn't be news to anybody. Like Phil Brooks seems like more than a little bit of a scumbag. Has a long history of like philandering with multiple different people in multiple different relationships. Uh, may still be doing it today. Who knows? Uh, hope he doesn't hear this podcast and sue us. <laughs> a whole fun little circle there. Um, like has like as you said like burned bridges with like so many friends throughout his life uh like has a a weird complicated like family history like a guy who uh has a very antagonistic relationship with fans for uh, a variety of reasons both valid and invalid like uh, he's a he's a shithead uh and like this definitely seems like a shitheaded move on his part uh we don't have the full details and like maybe maybe in a roundabout way he's in the right but even if he was i think it comes down to a weird misunderstanding that shouldn't go to court uh but regardless of that like people have jumped on him in a in sort of a frustrating way simply because like he is still a well-regarded person within wrestling uh due to like what he did to wwe and how he very legitimately revolutionized the way professional wrestling works in the 21st century and and people like for good reason are annoyed at fans who like won't let go of that shit who won't stop chanting his name at shows to prove like a weird point that isn't always valid and like i understand that but like it is it is bizarre to me that there are still people in 20 fucking 18 who are mad at cm punk for a variety of different reasons and like it it specifically like it specifically hits me when people are like oh no one should view this guy as a hero like it specifically reminds me so fucking much of like the the hashtag still with her dweebs like the people who like deride bernie bros all day on twitter the people with like donut hash or donut emojis in their twitter handle like it it's so fucking weird to me because like these people just like don't have a perspective on the situation like don't have like an understanding of maybe like why this person is well regarded or that even if he is well regarded people understand that he is a huge dickhead and, yeah. or like don't understand that like both of those things can be true at the same time like it it's so weird to me or, and, like or, i hate what if someone can be a dickhead and still not be wrong in a particular instance yeah that that like that does not make them constantly wrong but doesn't make him constantly the bad guy like it's a big part of this as as you had mentioned as we've mentioned throughout a variety of our topics tonight like it's frustrating to see like friends of ours to see like people we trust and respect and think are smart fall into this sort of shit yeah and like that's the thing is like we'll like sit here and talk about it but i'll still go go on twitter and see like people i like would regard as like yeah smart 
say something like, ah, oh, CM Punk, here we goes, burning another bridge, a lifelong, like, he, like CM Punk and Vince McMahon have so much in common. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like that one in particular, like, fuck. It's like, and here's the thing, and if anyone, like, kind of, like, takes this as CM Punk isn't a bad guy, I don't know what to tell you, but, yeah. yeah. See, but, like, for what we know about CM Punk, compared to, like, what other people in wrestling have done, the degree of hate for CM Punk yeah. is pretty fucking strange. Like, to use, a, to use a fucking example in our Slack chat, to have, like, a specific person show up every time he's mentioned and go, CM Punk sucks, you guys. Like, fuck off. Like, okay, like, no one's saying he's a great guy. But yeah. if we're gonna act like this dude is, like, one of the worst things wrestling's ever produced when all we know about him is that he, like, the worst thing that we, the worst thing that we have on CM Punk is that he's cheated on partners in some people's yeah. lives. Yeah. That is Which the, is bad. It's let me, bad. Let's be real. It's bad. It's bad. But if we're talking about, like, this in, like, the grand scale of wrestling, like, give me a yeah. fucking break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating because it's, like, I think a lot of people just, like, want to find... It's a, lot, it's a lot of things I've talked about some, like before where you are, you already have it in your head that you want to like backlash against like another segment of uh-huh. wrestling fans and the wrestling yeah. fandom. We all do it. And, like, we all do it, but it's like, I just hate the idea that like you'll like jump at like anything you can get. It like reeks uh-huh. of like desperation. It reeks of like almost propaganda in a way where if you like don't like where you like won't even like consider the fact that um Mavic, I actually pulled up tweets from oh CM Punk's sister that I that I that um had made the rounds a little bit. So someone who we think is CM Punk's sister. Someone that we would like believe is CM Punk's sister. Yeah. Um and pretty much going in depth on how Colt Cabana really isn't or wasn't that good of a friend. Sure. During that time. And something that we had talked about was like, people are painting Cole Cabana out to be the victim here when we've known Cole Cabana to do some shady shit. Totally. So like, I think, more than anything, there's like a situation where like, both guys in it, involved in it are kind of shitty. Yeah. But like, why are we like, solely hammering down on CM Punk and making it seem like, oh man, Poor Colt Cabana. He didn't deserve that. Like, and like it makes sense on some level. Like, like Colt is definitely worse off financially of here. Of course he is. Yeah, I, I think I think he's probably the one getting screwed here mm-hmm. on some level, regardless of of whether it's intentional. But like, yeah, like it's like there's just like no there's no perspective on this thing, and there's people like trying to turn it into something it's not, trying to turn it into like. Uh, uh, like a like a commentary on things that have long since passed that have like no bearing on the situation and it's just it sucks because it's it's not like it's not something that goes away instantaneously like this is something we're gonna have to talk about for months yeah and like you know we can only hope that it doesn't go to trial yeah like that would be the worst thing <laughs> god like, like you, like that's like that's how bad it was that it happened yesterday. We were like, "Well, fuck, we gotta talk about this." Yeah, like it. That, that was the process of putting this show together. Was just being like, "Oh, cool. Here's more shit to talk about. Like, here's more ammo. Here's more fuel for the fire." Now, another thing on the topic list that, like, I kind of want 
to do a like separate psychology of death for this because I feel like from both sides this is kind of like everything's been like been sort of like treated unfairly. And this like between is, you and me? No, between like people that are like against this thing and people that love this thing, right? Okay. So the thing I'm talking about here is Nokia though. Now, I have no strong opinion on Nokiaism. I don't think really? I don't think Brock has a strong opinion on on, on Nokiaism oh. either. No, I do. I like it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I have like I have like no strong opinion on it. I think the only thing I've ever said about Nokiaism is that like I just didn't like the way they were presenting the MMA infused wrestling, and I thought sure. and I thought a place like Zero One was doing it better. Sure. That's it. Like that's that's the only, that's the only thing I've ever like really thought about Nokiaism. I think it's a I think it's a weird name. Because like the entire history of New Japan prior to that is still Enochism. Yeah, like that's like that's like another thing is that everything up to what two thousand one. No, past that, man. Past that, Enoki stays around until like oh four, oh five, oh six. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like when do we say it stops. But it's like everything up to that is like Enoki inspired. It doesn't change the fact. Like the thing is that Enoki's mindset changed because of like everything else that was going on in the world so yeah. in order to adapt to what was going on in the world he changed the presentation of new japan pro wrestling like like that like that's all that is but in order i guess when it comes to like the stylistic stuff i guess we're talking about when we get to like the um 2000s is what we think mm-hmm. of when we talk about enochism you know enochism killed new japan and all that shit for me i think that topic is sort of unfair to do when you're not informed on it oh Oh, lord yes (laughs) yeah very unfair and i think that we like be be better off like for a separate episode of psychology is dead yeah um and there's like there's so much even just out of the ring to talk about there because like it's such like it's a politically rot time in not just new japan but like japanese wrestling in general it's a bad time economically for japan yeah which which certainly affected like how all that shit uh went out but like like yeah there's like a lot to tackle there yeah and i think that like it'd be better off like sort of like waiting to have evidence and numbers and really have like watched the product again because i haven't seen a lot of that stuff in a long time mm. um and even then like i think like i think like, a lot of that like 2000s to 2000s um, new japan stuff i think a lot of it is like it just looks cool so even if like i don't i've never like really been like super in like some of the matches from that time period i think a lot of it like really does get amped up by the fact that like it just looks and feels big at that time it's aesthetically really cool yeah yeah um so yeah and and i guess on the flip side of like the enochism thing is like when you have like people that are like super in to um that 2000s era of new japan or really into like the 80s and 90s new japan um is that they're really down on the current new japan totally and like that that's what i'm talking about it goes both ways a lot of like misinformation it goes both ways i think mm. so that's what i'm saying that we might have it might just be like a big new japan episode because we have to we don't like we have to tackle like the history of new japan <laughs> i don't want to do that like like that's fucking like that's a, that's a show already on this network yeah <laughs> you know what totally, i mean totally. so it's like but it's a, like it's a thing where i feel like people automatically like in like instinctively 
whether or not they know or not because mm-hmm. of word of mouth from Dave Meltzer and other wrestling historians like they're like automatically shit on um 2000s New Japan mm-hmm. but at the same time I think a lot of people that like 2000s New Japan are like reflect like reflexively going no this current New Japan and all the pretty boys fucking mm-hmm. sucks and all this shit like so it's something where I'd rather just like do a big episode on it to try like tackle everything. Sure, sure. Um, but we do have these three names left <laughs> here. It should be more than three. Th- really. There are three, but there's like th- we have like two groups of three names here, and one of them is a little bit more, I guess, legendary than the other. <laughs> I see what you mean, but. I guess the names I want to talk about here are Christian, Matt Hardy, and Dustin Rhodes. And you had sort of a specific point yeah. about like these three guys in particular. So why don't you take it away on what you think about these guys and what the issue is? So one thing, um, I think I mentioned it earlier in the night, but if not, I'll just rehash it here. So like in in so many forms of entertainment, I think it's natural for certain sorts of people who just like lean one way or the other to uh, gravitate towards the stuff that isn't in the spotlight, that isn't the most popular thing in the world, that that is like uh, a little raw, perhaps, um, a little harder to find, that touches on different subjects. Um, a lot of times, like this will be like marginalized people who are trying to find some form of like representation for them that doesn't exist in the mainstream. And in wrestling, we see that in a lot of ways in like people latching onto mid-card acts who uh aren't aren't always like the best wrestlers in the world (laughs) uh we talked about this a little bit with mark henry like people who just love mark henry for a variety of different reasons there's a couple other names here from current new japan who we could definitely talk about in this situation but here are three guys who are three of just a slew that we could talk about that i wanted to highlight with christian matt hardy and gold dust um that are like guys who are like well-respected who are thought to be like ring generals who are thought to be like people who have held together the mid card or held together like specific shows through uh bad periods of time who like always put in the work who are always like putting in a lot of effort who are always giving it their all whether they have like three minutes on tv or 18 minutes on tv whether or not they make it onto a pay-per-view um people like finley belong in this group people like william regal also belong in this group like a whole bunch of different guys who are like hard-nosed who often wrestle like sort of um uh sort of a stiffer style sort of like a a more pared down simple style um maybe they have some technical leanings maybe they they do some old school stuff um but people who like very much are not main eventers or if they were were main eventers for a very brief period of time uh for basically like one or two storylines uh and it's like these are guys i like a lot like i have repeatedly over the last couple of years called gold dust like the best guy on the wwe roster matt hardy is a guy who i latched onto extremely heavily early in my fandom and who i still enjoy today despite the fact that like i'm not so much into like the stuff he's done the last couple of years um christian is a guy i've never super been into but like a lot of people like view Christian as like this, some like hidden treasure, this like, this like guy who's like always been incredible, but like very rarely ever got the chance to show it off. Um, And I think it's interesting to talk about like these sorts of figures because like 
they in the same way that like a mark henry does um though like they obviously have a whole lot more to show for it i think uh they're guys who you see bandied around as like all-time great guys for a variety of reasons i think part of like what brought this up was like you and i were talking with a mutual friend about his like 2007 wwe reviews and how matt hardy like came out as like the wrestler of the year and like it was a weird thing to even fathom and and so like i I wanted i wanted to talk about these guys because like there is an a certain earnestness in like the non-traditional in in people like getting very much into it's not even the fucking underground like we can't call these guys like unknown wrestlers you know what i mean like they're people who wrestle for the biggest promotion in the world but it's but it's people who like retain this weird otherworldly like pseudo avant-garde um air to them and i wanted to know like what your perspective on it is yeah it's weird that the son of dusty Rhodes is sort of regarded as like this like if you know you know totally kind of pick like if you really know wrestling you know how good dustin Rhodes was and it's like that's the son of dusty Rhodes, you know debuted Mm. in an angle in wwf you know Got some, got some good early stuff in WCW. Like, you know, like, guy was like, wasn't like a fucking scrub or whatever, or not given anything. Yeah. So it's weird, and so it's weird when we get to like the legacy of Dustin Rhodes, how like he's regarded as this hidden gem. And in regards to like Christian and Matt Hardy, these are guys that um, um, were in tag teams, came up in the same era, mm-hmm. um, and. I think a lot of the stuff, while we praise Christian and Matt Hardy, it's sort of like the pushback against like their tag team partners that we like less. Sure, totally. That got, that got more singles opportunities, them being Jeff Hardy and Edge. And I think a lot of that is like, you know, like we can admit that someone was good, but we don't have to like downplay how good someone else was, or how important someone else was making the team to making the team work hmm. to prop up the other member, like. We don't have to say that Jeff Hardy was useless and like only like was good for his good for his cool spots to prop up how like good Matt Hardy was as like the glue keeping the team together. Uh I'm like honestly, when I watch Christian and Edge matches, I'm like, I don't see where Christian is like the person that is holding the holding the matches together, honestly. Cause I cause I've seen them flip because I've seen them switch it so many times. Cause they mm-hmm. were um heels for the majority of that run so it's something where i've just never seen where christian was is the guy holding the glue together as opposed to like matt hardy when the when they're when they're baby faces as as team extreme like it's pretty clear who's doing what there yeah but i think a lot of it is like it comes down to like a lot of like the stuff like about like 205 live too where like you're like really into the fact that like this like small little c show that nobody's watching. Excuse me, the A show? <laughs> like, that nobody's watching, There, where guys are going out there and putting out maximum maximum effort. And it's like, yeah, go, guys are out there, like, working hard and, like, uh-huh. they should be. You know. Putting in good matches. Yeah. You know, Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy going out there and having a really good series, from what I've heard. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, like, sort of the same idea of, like, when you get, like, these Christian and Matt Hardy fans. It's like, Christian is having all this stuff in TNA and ECW with the ECW title 
Matt Hardy having his run um, in 2005 and having his ECW title run. And it's like, it's good. It is really good stuff. Uh-huh. But it's canonized in a way that takes me off guard. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, it was like a good title reign. But also look at the context of like everything else is going on. And it's not the like disregardable like Christians and TNA doing this. TNA that by the that by this point is like already like mm-hmm. on its way. Yeah. To, Bloom, Bloom is off the rose. Yeah. So when I'm watching like these Christian main events after like getting a whole bunch of like Raven main events and Jeff Jarrett main events and Rhino main events, like, yeah, Christian looks pretty good right now. <laughs> like 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 Christian is definitely like upping the standard based on like a lot of the stuff that we had already been given from sure. like previous TNA or NWA world champions. And I think that's like what we're getting at here is like it's like so like supposedly like against the culture and hipsterish, but it's really not. Like these are still guys that are like working in WWE and pretty high profile spots. Yeah. Being given like big feuds or whatever. Matt Hardy is going from Edge and MVP and getting the ECW title and getting to be the star guy on that brand, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not it's as, it's as important as SmackDown and Raw. Yeah. Still still in one of the most highly regarded tag teams of all time. Same thing for Christian. Still one of the most highly, most highly regarded tag teams of all time. Matches on WrestleMania. Multiple time Intercontinental Champion. Like, given the ball a few times, even though he was never really a main eventer and got it due to Edge retiring if we're gonna if we're like keeping it blunt yeah um but still we, we look at what these guys have actually been given I don't see underrated guys I don't see guys that haven't been given like opportunities after opportunity after opportunity I see guys that maybe we don't regard as like your Steve Austins and your Rocks and Triple H's and Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart's but guys that are your Sheamus's guys that yeah. are your Cesaro's of the world and that's, that's not a that's not a bad place to be in though yeah see that's the thing is like there's there's such a perspective in wrestling that isn't even necessarily all that new but it's just it's easier to get to it these days with like social media and it's it's this idea that like if you aren't the best if you aren't like five star machine every time like you're nothing yeah and i think like a lot of the i think mainly when we talk about like wwe in japan is where it comes up Uh because like people talk about like uh hiroki goto well like win the new japan cup and not and like lose or get a title shot and lose and do whatever Uh it's like well yeah but not everyone is a big star not everyone is gonna be that i think most wrestlers would take hiroki goto's career sure like and 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 it doesn't mean that like he's not good like he still had a match that up until recently was my match of the year yeah so it's like people would still take hiroki goto's career hiroki goto isn't a failure like years when Hiroki Goto is like done and on the brink of retirement or already retired and he comes out, those fans are going to remember Hiroki Goto. Totally. They're going to be happy to see Hiroki Goto because he's put in that work for years. He's entertained him for years. He's had good matches for years. They've seen him grow. Like regardless of whether or not he ascended to the level of Tanahashi and Okada and Naito and Kenny Omega or even Yuji Nagata, like they'll still remember Hiroki Goto. Mm. And Hiroki Goto, Hiroki Goto, regardless, will still have, like, his legacy that he carved out for himself. And there's nothing wrong with, like, a guy just having the legacy that they carved out. It doesn't then mean that you have to, like, shit on their tag team partner 
and say their tag team partner was bad or do all that other stuff that I think gets thrown out when you're like so focused on propping someone else up. And it's not, I mean, not for bad reasons. Like they're great wrestlers. It's just like, I don't know. Like where did, um, where did Dustin Rhodes end up on GWE? He was like a top 20 guy, wasn't he? Oh God, I, don't, I have no clue. And it's like, like, I get it. He's great. Like, I think he is a great wrestler. I, but like, I can't, I can't sit there and be like, yeah, he was a top 20 wrestler ever. Yeah. And, and it's a thing where like, you know, we go, we talk about Mark Henry, Mark Henry, um, you know, it's a lot of like rose colored glasses and conveniently looking over when people aren't doing anything. Yeah. You know, Matt Hardy has stretches where he isn't doing anything. Christian has stretches where like he really isn't doing anything. Dustin has black rain. Yeah, Dustin has black rain and like all that stuff where he isn't really doing anything. Man, isn't it isn't it funny all these guys had like weird TNA careers too? <laughs> That's a funny note. Yeah, it is too. Ugh. But like all these guys have like stretches of their careers where they aren't doing anything. And I know some people think, oh, you could you shouldn't like judge someone when they're like past their peak or whatever you should like judge like what judge them at their best yeah and it's like like you have to like look at what we look at what we've been given yeah and what we've been given from these guys oh it's a lot of great but stuff that wasn't so great too that should be accounted for Mm. but because we're there like the picks of like oh man if wrestling was in a perfect world then like matt hardy would have been like the world champion in blank blank it's like can we like we can like appreciate matt hardy and still look at the fact that yeah like he maybe wasn't at his best in like 2002 or at his best when he leaves wwe or and goes on his goes on his run or christian in the world post um the orton feud still putting in good matches but i can admit that there aren't any christian matches after that that i'm really looked that i really thought were that good I remember him. I remember him having something with Cody Rhodes, but like that's about I don't it. remember that. I don't know. Yeah, it's like like that's it. But he was still. But he was still around. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to touch on the last one here before we have to go? Which ones are? Oh, is it a? <laughs> is it a certain soft boy? Uh yeah. Let's touch on a certain soft boy here. That is um, who it is. Yeah, one who we still don't know what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we're talking about Hiromu Takahashi, who, by all indications, seems to have a broken neck currently. I don't know; it's a weird story that like. But he also, but he also got on a plane, like not that soon after the reported broken neck. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess there's like different, different stages of this thing. I don't fucking find out. I'm not a medical professional. Um, but anywho, uh, Hiromu Takahashi is far and away one of the most like popular wrestlers in the world today um and for good reason he's a very talented guy he's a guy who only a couple years ago you and i were fawning over who were who were like all about this guy's matches with dragon lee and cml Lau. and i and, uh, I, and, I, and for, for the record i still am like sure i thought the kushida match from best of super juniors this year was like the best hermo kushida match i thought the best of super juniors final was probably my favorite one of the last few years, and yeah. this is this is coming and it's like you know off the heels of Kushida versus O'Reilly and Kushida Osprey and Osprey Taguchi and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Like like Takahashi versus Ishimori was my favorite one. I haven't seen any of that 
yet, sadly. But, like, people, for good reason, are really into Hiromu Takahashi. Um, but, like, he's also had, outside of just, like, his in-ring stuff, he's also had, like, a significant portion of his career over the last, basically the, only the last year, in which he's done, like, um, I'll, I'll put it kindly, he's done cute stuff. He's done stuff with Daryl, the stuffed cat, uh, as well as Daryl's whole extended family. <laughs> uh, he, he's done stuff with like a big coloring book that he always brings to, like best of the super juniors. Um, he's been a really, um, off kilter, been a really like, uh, oddly sexualized person, um, with both human beings and inanimate objects. Uh, and has done like a whole lot of stuff that is like just frankly weird um and it's all been within like the realm of his character and on some level i get it because like when he came in like uh, a big thing that we liked about him was that he was so different that that he was like such he was presented differently he was presented as a bigger deal than like any junior had been in a very long time um, had a had a totally different personality, even just in his like Kama Taichi uh, Kama Taichi days. Um, mm. And like, it's I don't know, it's a weird instance of once again like a New Japan wrestler just putting together a bizarre story of like a whole bunch of disparate elements that I don't think really actually fit together all that well, and performing them in a very strange way that doesn't make any sense or in my opinion at least in this case like i think in okada's case like he's actually telling an actual story there um i think in this case like doesn't actually say anything about the character and people fucking love it and it's weird to me it's weird to me that people are like oh i like this guy just because he's got a weird stuffed animal that he carries around or like i like this guy because he has nice hair I like this guy because he's got a cool jacket he called or he calls will osprey a cat yeah fucking yeah like this whole like extended feud over <laughs> over calling will osprey a cat and offering him milk and shit like i don't know maybe it's just me maybe it's just me being like like i'm a real feminine person um, and a whole lot of like the people who love this shit from Hiromu are women or femme people. Um, but like, this is like maybe just a weird case of like my masculinity coming out and being like, dog, this shit is bizarre. And like, I don't get why people are into it. I think, I think this is one of the cases where let me talk about like fans, like creating narratives in their head for a sure. wrestler all the time. And like, we like, we're, we're, we're as guilty of that, of that as anyone else. Of course we are. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's one of those times where, like, a narrative is, like, so far out there for you that you're just like, man, fuck this. Yeah. Um, and a narrative, a narrative that I think almost undeniably has just been thrown together uh, slapdashily. That's not a word, but I'm going to use it. Um, Hastily. Like, this is, this is basically something that, like, Hiromu did because he wasn't in the spotlight of the junior title anymore. Yeah. It's like, I think a lot of this... Is when it was like people took the Daryl thing, and I know I know um, based off a lot of the stuff that I read on Twitter, like a lot of people like identified with 
Hiromu like seeing the like possession of Daryl and like using it as a coping mechanism. Sure. And I'm not and after I'm not, after losing the title, which is like a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one to just like take away, take that away and be like, no, you're super for identifying with that. Sure. But I do think a lot of people like took it and ran with it in a way that really wasn't the intention. Yeah. And I think that that, that isn't like textually backed up in any way. Yeah. As opposed to like we have like maybe like someone could like dig up like post like post show promos sure. of like Harumbo talking about how much Daryl means to him. But Okada when like when he's doing this and he's talking about his like balloons and all this and then one of like the post show promos that we just did uh-huh. talks about how like Nippon Budokan won't let him bring the balloons. Yeah. And he's like, what he's like, what am I without my balloons? <laughs> like so like like even like with the Okada stuff, if you don't like it, it has been like documented yeah, it's a, in It's way. a real story, is that yeah. Yeah. And I don't think Haramu's and I might be might be misremembering, and I could easily go look at some of these post show promos and see if sure. Haramu mentions anything about like Daryl being like this important coping mechanism. But I just don't remember seeing it. I remember, I remember people seeing Daryl and how obsessed he was with Daryl. And then, oh, Daryl is, is a coping mechanism for losing the title. Yeah, and like reading into that, there's nothing wrong with it. And like I think I think had Daryl just stayed Daryl, like that would have been fine. But like that story like introduced children and resurrections. And like it went completely off the rails of an already like bizarre thing that like I don't like. It's not. It's not people, meaningful. People, it, me. it translated to like people and like to like Will Osprey like doing cat mannerisms. Yeah. at like Ring of Honor shows. Like that's like why the Daryl thing like got at least like for me sort of like got a little grating. It was like shit. Like we can't even like keep it like contained in New Japan. Like we got like sure now it's like translating to like Osprey like doing cat stuff. It's against, on like, Flip, against like Flip Gordon. Like it's on being the elite. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like shit that it didn't need to translate to. And I don't know. I think because a lot of people Takahashi something I always said about Hiromu Takahashi when he, when he was um when he took his mask off and every, everything. Like, something I've just always said about him is that he's like a cool fucking dude. Uh-huh. Very charismatic. Like, like he just feels like he just oozes cool from like the way he walks to the jacket with all the eclectic um, punk bands on it. The colors. The jacket's the, the worst, I think. Yeah, like, like jacket. The jacket is actually bad. I know, but people think it's cool. Like it has all these punk bands on it. Sure. Um, you know the balloon, the um, fucking like balloons or whatever that he had. Oh like, yeah, like the big bouncy crowd ball things. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he like he'd have, he'd have those falling from the falling from the sky. Um, the um, he did the the ray entrance with the mm-hmm. the, the platform. Yeah, like. A lot of Hiromu was just fucking cool. Sure. So people gravitated to that. And I think when you gravitate to cool, and then you're given, like, an awe, oh, he has a soft side thing, too, then it's just, like, you, like, become this, like, completely infatuated with him. Yeah, like, a soft side that, like, very directly appeals to to an audience that, like, New Japan for a very long time now. Basically since, like, Bushiro took over, I guess. Uh, an audience that, like, New Japan has tried to cater to uh in order to like uh oppose them from something like the wwe Mm. 
try, trying trying to cater to like more of a female audience trying to cater to like people who uh enjoy watching all these pretty male wrestlers and like there's nothing wrong with that like in i'm very much into that myself as a gay man but like it it's i don't know some of the products of it are just like nonsense to me we have one more left and i think this is like sort of weird we're going to close out on like these sort of obscure wrestlers <laughs> oh these three okay but it's funny because like these guys were they're related whatever. to this yeah they're, they're related they're, to her they're, yeah they're, they're related to this and it's taichi el desperado and yoshihashi yeah um and you're the one to put this one down i don't remember i don't remember putting this one down so if you want to uh take the lead on this one it's, be my guess. it's something we were talking earlier with like the mid-card guys it's it's like it's and it's it's a combination of like the soft boy I hate using that sort of terminology. It feels sort of derogatory to me in a weird way. But, like, um, it's a combination of people latching on to, like, these mid-card guys who don't necessarily do a whole lot in a promotion um, that directly appeals to them in um, not in a sexualized manner, but in a very, like, um, vaguely romantic manner. Uh, especially as it relates to Taichi, who has who always comes out with women, uh, El Desperado, who has had like a weird story with Hiromu in which it was like romantically linked, right? I don't know, but it was like sort of. I, out the I missed it. Was the thing? It's, it's, it's sort of it, like the Despi and Hiromu stuff sort of played out the fact that they were both like in Mexico. Yeah. Um, they were in the same young lion class. Uh huh. Um. So it sort of played out the fact that they were both like had like successful Mexico excursions, um, but one of them came back more successful than the other. Sure, um, and that and that's really the thing is like these guys aren't hugely successful wrestlers. Like they're guys who have like been career mid carters, um, guys who like have good matches from every every once in a while. Yoshihashi in particular, I think like maybe once a year has like a really good match that I like. Um, but they're they're guys who like. Uh, the New Japan fan base or certain sections of the New Japan fan base go nuts for for like a variety of different reasons because because like they're cute or they're endearing or because like they think their matches are actually good like all accounting for taste but it's it's like another weird example of like how like something outside of the spotlight garners like an inordinate amount of attention I think there is like something to be said about like seeing someone who like works hard and like sure. especially especially in japan where like there aren't like a lot of like singles matches on a given card sure so when you're like seeing like yoshihashi working hard and busting his ass theoretically you know for like the last few years in new japan and you're like wow yoshihashi really like really works hard like he mm. might not be having the best matches but he works hard he's a good dude like that'll translate to like you know you like you want to see like yoshihashi get more yeah you want to see, see like more things be given to yoshihashi specifically like there's um i liked yoshihashi a lot in 2015 and like when he faced michael elgin in a non-tournament match on the last day of that year's g1 i was stoked i was like holy shit this guy is like he's putting his time like he's actually getting like a prominent match that he has never had before in his career mm-hmm. like you're like really excited for it and then this is sort of like, and like if if Hama, if Hama was still around, I'd like Hama would be on this list because a lot I of the would, I would <laughs> I would argue with it, but sure. Like if if Hama was still around, I'd have Hama on this list. 
Because this goes back to like things feeling special, things feeling big. Mm, sure. People complained all the fucking time about Hanma not winning matches. Sure. Oh, Hanma should win. Do you not see how over he is? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Without understanding that the reason why he's so over is because he was losing all of his matches and you wanted to see him get that one big victory. Uh-huh. It's why all of his G1 matches were so fucking hot. That's why there's, like, the crowds are so into them. When he goes for his kokashi, he's like, you're really like buying into it and like gripping your chair, like leaning in, like, oh my God, Hanma might do it. And mm-hmm. then he fails. And then you watch the next night to see him do it again because that's what the Hanma story was all about. When they then elevate Hanma to being like, you know, a regular tag team champ with a Togi Makabe, mm-hmm. more frequently picking up wins, what happens? People aren't as in the Hanma as they used to be. Yeah. Because when you take away the thing of like, oh, he was appealing because he was a loser. When he starts winning more matches, now he's just another guy on the roster. Yeah, people like that struggle. Look what's happening with uh, your favorite wrestler, Juice Robinson, currently. (laughs) Fucking hate Juice Robinson. (laughs) I should have put him on this fucking list. Um, But... I really should have. (laughs) But a lot of like... The Hanma stuff that bothered me in the, like when we're getting to it in 2015, 2016 is like Hanbo very clearly like was at home losing those matches and like having his big moment in the sun, like you know, once a year, maybe once every two years. Mm-hmm. And then when you put him in a tag team title feud, he is like being given like title title matches and more wins and not taking as many falls, like then he just becomes another guy on the roster. Yeah. And, like, you can be special while losing. Losing can make you special. And, like... Not, it can it can also kill you in the end like, when, you, like, when you it, don't. But it also, like, depends on how you lose, right? Yeah. Like, it's, you just gotta book it, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, book, they're booking it extremely well with Hanma. Getting close, but no cigar. Yeah. Every single time. Hanma was never made out to look like a fucking, like, joke in matches. Hanma's, like, Hanma stood his own. Hanma fought. Hanma did all these things. But it just wasn't enough. Um, so I'm saying all this to say is like Yoshihashi sort of like I thought was taking that spot the Hanma the Hanma had when Hanma went down. Um, and Yoshihashi's getting placed in G ones. Mm-hmm. I thought that was sort of like the spot that Yoshihashi was filling in. But even even faster than Hanma did, Yo, like Yoshihashi falls into just feeling like another guy on the roster. Yeah, because he's being given more wins than you'd expect. He's been given more. He's being given more like singles high profile matches than you'd expect like this uh-huh. dude is like being given briefcase shots against kenny omega yeah he's like being, earning major title shots yeah he's he's getting um a singles match against naito um at new beginning in osaka he's like facing kenny omega um in the u.s for the uh u.s, US right? for the yeah. u.s title on an roh show like for like a lovable loser it's like why are you giving someone so much stuff? Hmm. And that's sort of like why Yoshihashi, while I still enjoy him, while he doesn't work that same way for me, because it's like you sort of like gave him way too much, like way too quick. Yeah. Especially for give, especially given like what his role was before all this stuff happened. And that's from like, that's from the booking perspective. Whereas like these other two guy guys, Taichi and El Desperado are people who like, get so much from the fans where it's like we've had lengthy periods of time on twitter where people are like oh yeah tai chi is like hashtag actually great 
And it's like, what the fuck are you watching, dog? Like, he's like he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, like, you know, when someone, like, starts working slightly better than their previous standard was. Or or it even just gets a shot. It doesn't yeah, even, even have to be, like, like, a, like a difference. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, just, you just get, like, one shot. It's like, oh, shit, like, Taiji. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. I, 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 I never knew. It's like, no, you knew. It's like, he's fine. You can be. Again, the other thing is like people have this idea that when someone is like a lower mid carder, yeah, a lot of the time it's like, oh, they could be so much more. All this stuff. I was like, no, maybe, maybe this is what they just should be. Sure. And that's fine. And I know that anyone's out here like claiming that Tai Chi should be like a main eventer. At least I hope not. Uh, at least I hope no one's doing that. Uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter, man. Fuck. Um. But it's like, I remember seeing it when it was happening. It was like the Naito matches. He has something um, in all Japan where people were like, we were like, oh man, Taichi got a really good match. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, even the um, triple threat from uh, Dominion with him, Goto and Elgin. Ugh. It's like people sort of like take like any little bit of not being awful and turn it into, oh, like this person is maybe good <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> and even in the case of despy it's like well i think despy can be really good is the thing yeah but it's like des- I don't, I don't, it's almost weird, it's almost weird to even put despy in here because it's like when despy is given chances he yeah. has proven to be really good totally but at the same time it's like you have to call space and say like we don't we don't get that all the time you have to just straight up be like hey like i know despy's good but we don't have the evidence for for him right now yeah so if he's just gonna sit here and not get title shots or just be a tag team champion that's fine but like i'm not gonna like sit here and like throw a fit over it yeah but i think that pretty much wraps up all of the negative energy that we had to i don't know about all of it (laughs) oh yeah we didn't talk about new japan fanboys oh my god we could have been new japan fanboys we could have been we could have been bullet club fans Shit, it's WWE nights. Oh, we didn't talk about Kenny Omega. Like, fuck. Like, I mean, Kenny Omega gets talked talk, gets talk about a lot. Uh, sure. Like, we, they, we might have to do a part two of this eventually. <laughs> More shit we hate. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you feel better giving, getting all that off your chest? I don't, I don't know that I necessarily feel better, but, like, I... Like, it, it gives me hope that, like, maybe, like... I don't know. Like, the thing the theme that I wanted to convey here tonight was just like, like think more than not at all about your wrestling. And in like, I don't know. Think about like how you operate in spaces as a fan, uh, whether that be at shows or on Twitter or just like talking to a friend, like think about like the weird shit you might do that, that might, be weird to somebody else or even on the flip side like if you find something weird that a friend does like don't be a dick about it either like talk to them as a friend as a human being and and, and maybe like hash something out and and if it doesn't get any better then like just not get over it or record a podcast where you bitch about it for two and a half hours like it just (laughs) it's i don't know like just like try to be better as a fan because like so much of the shit we're talking about is just us going like god why is this still a thing that we have to cover like why is this a thing we have to struggle with on a daily basis yeah like really all i wanted from this is like you know accountability you know 
Sure. Take accountability for like how you disregard things or gloss over gloss over things and how you like will treat other people. And I think we'll like get more into that in like certain episodes of Psychology is Dead. But really that was just, you know, think about it, think like try to think about it more sometimes. Think about accountability. Think about like what you're doing to make a difference in wrestling because regardless of whether or not like a sole person that is just on Twitter can like make a huge difference in like how wrestling works. Mm-hmm. Being part of a big mass can affect how wrestling goes. Sure. And a lot and a lot of us are part of that. And a lot of us are part of like how wrestling might go because our voices, you know, all joined in one yeah. are loud. Like there's the ripples go out, echoes go out. Like all it takes is one person like subtweeting to start a shit show. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, like timeline all over the place are like clogged with yeah. like subtweets about uh, something that you don't even know what happened. Yeah. So just like be more mindful of that kind of shit. Um, just be I wanna, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Brock for uh, joining, joining me in this uh, bitching fast that we did for two and a half hours. <laughs> uh, we're not going to be going that long. I think we have something planned mm. for the first week of September. With a guest, no less. Oh, our first guest on the show. At least it's like with me and you. First yeah, totally. First, yeah. yeah, first time we're going to have a third person on the show. Oh boy. So look for that in the next few weeks. Thank you all for listening. Hope you're here next time. Hey, yo, I know some niggas only skate on Supreme shit. I know some niggas hit the dope with the remix. I know some niggas got two bodies and still a teenager. I know fiends that want to lick the resi off the razor. I know niggas from uptown to down the way. I know niggas got eight balls of pure yay. I know niggas that a rap your ass bare face. I know niggas that's coming home, they want to play. I know niggas that a sniff a lot of shoot up shit. I know some niggas win up state and got cut quick. I know niggas that'll put money on your head. I know niggas when they hit it, probably hit it dead. I know niggas showing fake love.